Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Batflip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Uh, Today, we have an epic uh, outfield preview um, I uh, did with Bubba Entrekin uh, at uh, B uh, Dentrick uh, on Twitter. Uh, Bubba and I sat down for two and a half hours, or we didn't really sit down. He may have been sitting down. I was sitting down, but we talked uh, over the phone for about two and a half hours, covering uh, 90 plus outfielders. With each one, we're taking a look at um, their ADP. Uh, their their aggregate projection, uh, the valuation, and then the cost of that ADP to determine the value. And then we also added kind of our own two cents on how we felt about them as players and how they fit into our uh, overall strategy. So it was a ton of fun. Uh, There may be some audio quality issues uh, with this podcast. Uh, As I was recording, uh, my phone ran out of battery or it was down to one percent so we had to stop for a little bit Uh, then I put on my airpods so that I could charge it and listen to it at the same time and those airpods uh, quickly ran out of battery and we were able to make it uh, with the remaining battery through the rest of the conversation but there was some fits and starts in terms of uh, of recording so uh, hopefully I've been able to smooth most of those out but it was a really uh, fun time made me a little sad I haven't had other people um, on uh, the podcast for some of these previews. It's just been hard to, hard to schedule and I never know when I'm going to record. So I don't want to, um, uh, you know, uh, let people down or, you know, uh, schedule something and then have to reschedule it because, because time just doesn't allow. So, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. We covered a ton of ground. Um, I'll be doing the starting pitcher preview um, soon and then I'll be uh, joined by Brian Slack on Friday. We're going to record the relief pitcher um, breakdown, uh, which should be a lot of fun as well. So look for those podcasts to come. Um, if you do, do enjoy uh, the podcast, um, please do um, give it a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Really appreciative of all those um, you know, five-star ratings and reviews that have been rolling in. It's just, uh, it's super nice and feels good, makes it feel uh, worthwhile uh, to you know, uh, to do these, although I I would do them anyways, because I I just really enjoy them. So um, really appreciate that. So if you haven't already, and you like the content, you like the previews, please do give that five star rating and review. You can follow me on Twitter at batflipcrazy. Uh, I also have Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and the website is batflipcrazy.com, although I continue to not update those as regularly um, as I as I should. Um, uh, But Oh well, um, and then uh, and then for Bubba, you can reach him as I mentioned uh, at B Dentrick D E N T R E K um, on Twitter. Um, he also runs uh, Fantasy Sports uh, Degens or Degens. I can never pronounce that one correctly, um, but he's always producing really good content. One of the best follows on Twitter. Super nice guy. Um, you know, really really sharp on fantasy stuff. Um, top 15 in TGFBI projections, uh, all of that jazz. So definitely go follow Bubba. Um, enjoy our epic, uh, our epic outfield preview. Let me know what you think about it. Uh, thanks so much for listening. And uh, yeah, let's get this party started. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today, Bubba. Thanks for having me, man. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. I'm really glad to, uh, to have you on the podcast. Um, for folks uh, who don't know Bubba, uh, this is Bubba Entrican. He is uh, not only a product of the same county as me, uh, uh, Yolo County. Um, uh, he is a great uh, Twitter follow, um, just a, an all-around uh, awesome guy. He's always putting out really interesting facts, uh, really good in discussions and engaging with folks. Um, and then when you get to meet him in, in person, like I, I had the fortune of doing um, at the Barf Draft recently in February, um, he's just a great guy. So, Bubba, can you let folks know where they can reach you uh, on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at BD Entrick, uh, BD is in dog, Entrick. And uh, yeah, I'm, as long as I'm around, and I'm usually around, I'll, uh, I'll interact with you. If I'm, if I'm ignoring you, it's nothing personal. <laughs> awesome. Um, and then uh, also share a little bit about uh, the work that you do at, at, at sports. Is it Deegan's or Deggan's? I, I can never get it right. It's now Fantasy Sports Deegan's. Um, okay. Yeah, we had to change the site over a couple months ago. Long story there. But uh, it was thesportsdeegan's.com. Now it's Fantasy Sports Deegan's. Been doing that for almost four years now, I think. It's like our fourth baseball season going. We started right before then. So, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun watching it grow. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's really busy. Sometimes it's not. It depends on how many people want to contribute for free. And uh, it's a blast. I do a lot of podcasting and I'm trying to do more writing this year. So if it's not the greatest of caliber writing, I apologize, but it'll get better. I, I enjoy uh, being on the microphone much more than uh, clicking on a keyboard. <laughs> you're you're hard on yourself man you're 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 great on twitter great as a writer um really enjoy your stuff and you're you're, you're literally like one of the nicest people on twitter so um, I it. just for all of those reasons everybody should go follow bubba so on twitter everything over the last couple weeks um has been uh or, or maybe it's just a week i, I can't remember but it has been tgfbi it feels like that <laughs> long waiting for yep. for a slow draft slow drafts to pick um, has been TGFBI, and I know your team, in looking at kind of the projected standings, you're pretty high up there at 15th. Can you talk a little bit about kind of um, how you went into the draft and who some of the, the key guys on your squad are? Yeah, one, one thing I really wanted to do this year, uh, last year was it was a big learning experience because, like I said, I've been doing this for – that have been three years now, but I haven't really been in the industry, quote-unquote industry circuit, uh, like competing against other guys. So – you know, a, a two-catcher league, first time I did a two-catcher league. 15-team, mm. um, I used to do like 12, 13 teams, never done a 15-team. So it was just a big learning experience. I did a ton of mocks last year. This year was more – I did way more research and less mocking. Like the barf draft was kind of like the mock for me because a 14-teamer, mm. I did a 15-teamer kind of the week later to get ready for it to help somebody out. But my biggest thing is I wanted to be more balanced. Um instead of being super aggressive on certain guys. And I did get aggressive uh, when I, uh, people see my roster, and I'll talk about it more at a different time. But um, I did get aggressive. I did make a point to get two upper-end starting pitchers. I didn't really necessarily get one of the like, ace three or four, but, you know, I had Garrett Cole. I followed him with Carlos nice. Carrasco. Oh, very so nice. I wanted to have that kind of one-two punch because I felt in doing that, I could wait longer than most others at pitching and really load up on hitting, like, when people are grabbing more pitching, I got Aokenio Suarez. I got Victor Robles. Um, I was grabbing Matt Olson and stuff like that instead of having to grab a second or third pitcher that I could wait on pitching because my top two are so strong. And then through the research and, you know, listening to your shows and other really great people out there, like you, you said, there's so much great content out there on one of your recent podcasts. It's so true. 
um, there's great pitching targets later. It's like you almost want to, I almost want to miss that middle tier if that makes sense. Cause mm. there's so much down below that I'd rather gamble on. So that's kind of where I went with it. Uh, there's so many ways you can dissect 30 players, but um, that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah. And uh, just out of curiosity, in what round did you grab your third starting pitcher? Oh, uh, I have to check the actual list. I know. Um, who, who was well, it? I have. It, oh, here it is. So some people are going to critique this. Cause I went Cole Carrasco. I believe it was round seven. I went Philip Philip uh, Philippe Vasquez. Okay. And then in round nine, um, I went Madison Bumgarner because he fell okay. that far. Okay. Uh, the, the Giants fan in you comes. comes no, through. that's why I even put it on Twitter. I said this is not a homer pick. This was strictly <laughs> like I sat there and stared at it and stared at it, and I'm like, you know what? He has fallen too far. Like I know he's not the same guy he was before, but if he's even like. 85% of that guy at this mm. point in the draft, I'll take my chances with that. Yeah. Um, he's going to eat innings regardless. It's just a matter of, can he stay below a four ERA? Um, and, and I'll be super happy. And then I, I then I just followed it up with, you know, it sucked. I drafted Josh James the next day he got hurt. Oh. Um, but then like I took the gamble on Dallas Keuchel cause he felt like the 15th or 16th round. Um, Joe Musgrove was one I really was a fan of. I know you're a fan of him, but then yeah. like, when I knew I kind of had some, you know, must or Keiko and Bumgarner question marks there, I went with like guys like Derek Holland, Jeff Samarja, uh, oh, Merrill nice. Kelly, like just innings eaters that aren't good, like good ratio guys, big strikeout guys, stuff like that. Yeah, the the Samarja is a guy who's definitely on my radar now. He's going so late in drafts, and the velocity has been up in spring training, um, and he's looked really good. And and you know, like spring training doesn't really matter that much. We hear that all the time, but velocity is one thing that you know, I'm looking at for sure. Unless uh, you're Zach Greinke. Yeah, unless you're Zach Greinke. <laughs> and you're a good enough pitcher to, you know, survive on, on 90. Um, cool, cool. Um, and so, yeah, so you must be feeling, uh, you must be feeling pretty good about that, that squad then. I'm happy with it. It's, it feels weird because, like I said, as I went balanced, I, wasn't, I usually like to take chances in drafts. But um, I really wanted to have something I was comfortable with leaving the draft room on. And – like even looking at it right now, looking at my roster, this isn't my prototypical draft probably, but it's something I could definitely see myself doing a lot more in the future. Cause I do like the overall build. It's just like when you have Cole Calhoun as a starting outfielder, it doesn't scream sexy, but in yeah. reality it like works when you really take a step back. So stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Well, and we're going to, we're, we'll, we'll see if we get to Cole Calhoun, um, <laughs> but uh, on our preview today, because it, we're in for an epic 90 player, uh, an, an, an epic 90 player preview if we can get through the whole thing. But you mentioned that you did reach on a couple guys. Do you, uh, who, who are, who are a couple of the folks that you did end up reaching on? Cause you wanted them. Yeah. That's one thing that um, I, about round, I'd say five or six, I realized like, I always say you don't use ADP as an end all be all, but it's usually a gauge to help you. It's a good tool to use. And I threw ADP out the window. Because everywhere you look, you set your queue of like 10 guys, they'd all be gone. Like, it just didn't matter anymore. So, like, Victor Robles, I'm pretty sure I took him around, around six. So, about a, a round or two higher than his ADP is going. But I wanted that. I'm a huge Victor guy. We'll talk about him later. Um, and then the same thing. It's like I took Max Kepler about a round before his ADP. But I loved his upside. Uh, Mark Trumbo, as, a, as my utility, super late. I, I got Trumbo, like, too. I took yeah. like two rounds earlier. It's just certain guys like that where it's just, it got to a point where I didn't like what else was around them. I didn't want to risk them being gone. So I just started grabbing them and I didn't care anymore. Oh, awesome. Great. Well, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a ton of fun this year. And um, as, as I normally do when I talk about TGFBI, just a, 
a tip of the cap to Justin Mason for pulling yes. this off. It's incredible. Like in in year two, like it's just come gotten up to another notch. I think going to the NFBC was um, awesome. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, so yeah, awesome. Um, so we are going to take a look at uh, and, and the outfielders, as we I mentioned before. Uh, this could be an epic show for those who are listening. So sit to, sit back, relax, get your popcorn out. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun. So as I've done in previous previews on the show, this is my first preview with a guest. So, Bubba, you consider yourself very, very special. You should uh, already consider yourself that. On but. your show, I, I feel very special. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but um, essentially what I'm going to do for each player is uh, we're going to go through. I'm going to give the projection based on the aggregate projection of three publicly available projection systems, uh, the BAT, ATC, and, the, and Steamer projections, all available uh, publicly on Fangraphs. And based on that aggregate projection, then I'll cr- that will – create a valuation, a standard gain points valuation. So essentially a dollar value and auction value um, for each player. And then we'll compare that to uh, the cost of that ADP. Um, And so that'll tell us whether a player at their current ADP is going at value or not. And the reason why I find this to be super helpful, this is the first year I'm doing this, both really relying so strongly on projections in kind of looking at the different players that are available, but then also comparing, uh, w- looking at what their value is, because, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, take Mike Trout or Mookie Betts, right? But as you get further down in the draft, you mentioned Cole Calhoun. Um, you know, Cole Calhoun is way down there, right? He's like, his ADP is 359 right now, uh, but his projection uh, is an $8 projection. Uh, and, and, you know, it's uh, 76 runs, 20 home runs, 69 RBIs, five stolen bases with a 241 batting average. Now that's eight dollars worth of value, and at 359 ADP, that's a one dollar pick. So, so I, did, I did good. You, I did good. Yeah, you did awesome. <laughs> I mean, I mean, according to the projections, right? And, yes. And projections are going to be right; they're going to be wrong. But the idea is that that you know the 50 percent median projection is the most likely outcome, and the more guys you get who are supposed to do better than their projection, theoretically, the better you should do, um, you know, uh, moving forward. Um, So that's just a really good example where if you kind of use this value system where you might be able to identify a guy who's going too late. And I mentioned this on every show, but the guys at the top of drafts are going to look bad in the sense that they won't produce value. And that's because at a 50% median projection, you know, you're not likely to see a player uh, reach, um, you know, reach, reach their, reach their cost at that type of level. Like when you're talking, you know, the top few rounds of the draft, uh, the, the picks are so expensive that it's hard in a projection to, you know, get some value. There are a couple guys who who are, you know, potentially some market inefficiencies, but you know, that's just a, a caveat that I like to put out there. So let's hop right into it. Um, uh, let's hop right into it with Mike Trout, whose ADP is one. His uh, projection is 634 plate appearances, 113 runs, 39 RBIs, 101 RBI, uh, RBI, 22 stolen bases with a 305 batting average. God, I love Mike Trout. Um, that's a $39 valuation and a thir- at a $39 ADP. So he's equal value. And Mookie Betts is number two, not surprisingly. 680 plate appearances, 115 runs, 30 home runs, 96 RBI, 26 stolen bases with also a 3.0, well, a 3.06 batting average. Uh, and that's good for a $38 projection. And that is uh, at a $38 ADP. 
So the major question, if you get the number one pick in the draft, Bubba, are you going with Mike Trout or Mookie Betts? You know, it really should be simple, but it's not as simple as it used to be. Because, um, like, you just read off the projections, they're almost identical. Yeah. My biggest question is, and, and my answer will be Mike Trout, just because he's basically the proven commodity year after year after year after year. And I think he will be for a long time. He is that good at baseball. But it's crazy to think that Mookie Betts is actually legitly an option. I didn't do the actual counting on the TGFBI, but I, I think there had to be at least six or seven leagues that took yeah. Mookie Betts first. And I can't fault him at all. Like, in years past, I, last year there were people trying to take Trey Turner and stuff over him in the first pick. And, like, you're crazy. But when it comes to Mookie Betts, the biggest question mark I have, and this is why I think I still stick with Trout, was last year Mookie did all this leading off. And now he's going to be bad in the middle of the order, which is still great because it's a great lineup. But uh, I know like Jeff Zimmerman and some others have written articles on it that, you know, each, each spot in the order, you lose so many at-bats. And that's going to help hurt, hurt or help your counting stats, depending on where you move. And then you look, you know, the run productions, and that might go down because he's not leading off. Now the RBIs might go up. Does he steal as much? There's a lot of question marks that are moving down. Or Trout, you know what you're going to get. It is literally, you plug it in. These projections might as, well, might as well be basically real life when it comes to Mike Trout. So I'll go Trout. I will fault nobody if you take Mookie Betts. I totally get it. But I, I, it, it's, it's hard to sleep at night knowing you had a chance to take Mike Trout and you did not take Mike Trout. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I had, I've been lucky enough to have the first pick in one draft. I did go with Trout. I think the interesting thing about Mookie is if I had to take them – you know, just looking at stolen bases and look, just looking at batting average, I think I might give Betts actually a little bit uh, of a um, – uh, I, I might prefer him a little bit, but I think the power differential yeah. and just the run, you know, just the consistency like you mentioned is enough for me to go Trout if I get the number one. I really do hope that I at some point in time get the number two pick in the draft <laughs> so that I can get Mookie because he's just a, a fun player to watch. So. You know, you know, you know, that's going to happen if someone's going to take Mookie first, right? Oh, uh, I totally, right. <laughs> well, I, I guess I can't be upset about that. No, either. no, no, you can't. Yeah. Um, and so the next, the next three outfielders, I'll just cover, cover their projections really quickly, but um, you actually face this dilemma in TGFBI. So I'm interested to get your, Thoughts. The three outfielders are Christian Yelich, J.D. Martinez, and Ronald Acuna. And again, we're just going in order of ADP. This isn't any type of rankings, um, just because of the way that, that I'm kind of uh, sharing the data. So Christian Yelich has a projection of 653 plate appearances, 98 runs, 28 home runs, 89 RBI, 15 stolen bases with a 299 batting average. That's good for a $28 projection. But the ADP slot of six that he's at is a $33 ADP. So that's a loss of $5 worth of value. Again, you know, uh, players at the top are more likely to lose um, on their 50% median projection, but just something to think about there. JD Martinez has an ADP of seven, uh, 626 plate appearances, 99 runs, 40 home runs, 116 RBI, four stolen bases with a 302 batting average. That's good for a $32 projection. Uh, so that's $4 more than Yelich. Um, and, uh, and it's a $32 slot. So that's $0 worth of value. So he's essentially neutral there. Ronald Acuna is next. Uh, 658 plate appearances, 97 runs, 29 home runs, 86 RBI, 23 stolen bases with a 279 batting average. 
that's a $29 projection at a $32 cost. So a negative $4 in terms of the value. So we got Yelich and Acuna, who based on the projections are getting some negative value. And J.D. Martinez, who is neutral at that number 780p. You face this dilemma in, in, in TGFBI, and it's really a position I don't want to be in, to be honest with you. Although that, you know, it sounds kind of like a cop-out, but who do you go with if you have that 6 7 pick yeah. Yelich Martinez or Acuna yeah I, I had the six pick and part of the part of what made this a little easier is in the bar league at like 10 or whatever I was at I took Acuna so I had a share there which made mm. me feel very happy because I honestly think Ronald Acuna I've said it before one of my bold predictions for this year is he's going to be in the bout the bets and trout conversation at the end of the year I mm. think he's that good a lot of it's going to depend because it changes every other day of where he's going to hit the batting order this year but I really like Ronald Acuna this year. Uh, Christian Yellick is amazing. There's no sugarcoating that, but we also have to remember he did almost all his damage in like a two-month span at the end of the year, and I, I just find that track record hard to uh, to continue on. But uh, I think he'll still be very, very good. J.D. Martinez, similar to what I said with Mike Trout, is he is pretty darn reliable these days. And to get a guy with that kind of power, with that kind of batting average, sure he doesn't get you stolen bases, and that's kind of where I almost took Acuna because he's going to get you the steals. But I picked six with Scherzer, Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, Betts, and Trout off the board. I'm staring at these three, and I'm thinking, okay, if I can lock in a potential 40-home run guy, that's going to lock in a solid average. It'll help me kind of deviate somewhere else. Like when I told you I got Mike Trumbo later, I could do that kind of stuff because I get a J.D. Martinez. Um, he's mm. going to drive in – he's going to lead the league in RBIs most of the time or be a top two or three guy. I went J.D. Martinez for that reason alone. They're all three talented players. I'd probably go Martinez, Acuna, Yellick for me. Okay. But because I, I really am high on Acuna. I just – I wanted that power, our power batting average, run-producing floor J.D. Martinez that really opens up your roster so, so much. Definitely. Yeah, for me, for me it's, it's a challenging one. I think a lot of times I think through the – with the perspective of the NFBC and, uh, and overall competitions – Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm thinking about, you know, how do I create a balanced, um, uh, a balanced beginning to my draft? And I'm especially focusing on stolen bases and batting average in that. Mm -hmm. And so for for that reason, uh, in a lot of my like initial rankings or just discussions on the podcast, I've actually had Yelich as uh, my number four or five player, just because I think the batting average is solid. And I think the stolen base projection at 15 is a little low, just because the Brewers do like to steal a lot of bases and Yelich has been very good at stealing bases and he's still relatively young. And so I don't see a reason why those would necessarily go down too much. Um, the major question is, you know, is the power. And so there was an uptick in fly ball percentage that he had towards the end of last year that kind of aligned with when he, he just went off. I mean, that was just nuts how good he was for a stretch there. Um, and so, you know, uh, but I think in an individual league, if I'm in a solo league, I agree with you. I think J.D. Martinez is probably the pick uh, just because he's a, he's a stellar four-category contributor. He's got, in, uh, you know, and, and the power average combo is just something special. And I think um, in that Red Sox lineup, there's just the only way I see him not crushing it is if he gets injured, which yep. is obviously a possibility, but – it is for everybody else. And then I think with Acuna, I am not in the position that you are. That I don't have any shares of Acuna, and I'm very worried about finishing draft season without <laughs> having Acuna there because I agree. I think my only question with him is the batting average, True. you know, um, but 
he was just super impressive last year. I mean, he's going to have he, the batted ball quality is such that he's going to have a really high BABIP, which can help compensate a little bit for the K percentage. And he actually showed some incredible plate discipline towards the end of last year. And so uh, I, I love that talent too. So I don't think you can actually go wrong here. I think you just need to consider, you know, what the context of the pick is yes. um, and how important, you know, having that five category contribution is. Let me, let me add one thing there. And, and part of what you said there is that's kind of what made me think also is because Yellick and Acuna do steal bases. So when we talked about reaching earlier, this isn't a TGFBI podcast, but like in the fifth round, I went Johnny VR and I made sure to come back with Victor Robles. And then later on in the 10th round, I took Ahmed Rosario. But those three guys right there, I have a gigantic stolen base floor now. So yeah. it just, it kind of, you kind of have to have a plan in place. That's kind of what it was. And when I took JD, I started to map out where I wanted to take things. And I might have taken them a little earlier than I had to, but I filled those holes doing it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Um, okay. The next three outfielders that we'll look at are kind of big, big boppers, for lack of a better word, um, including two teammates. So at an ADP of 17 is Aaron Judge. Uh, the projection is 636 plate appearances, 101 runs, 38 home runs, 96 RBI, seven stolen bases with a 260 batting average. That's good for a $25 projection going at a $27 cost. So he's losing you $2. Uh, Bryce Harper is up next at 18, an ADP of 18 and rising after signing with the Phillies. Uh, his, his projection is 632 plate appearances, 95 runs. 33 home runs, 94 RBI, 10 stolen bases with a 268 batting average. That's also good for a $25 valuation with a $27 ADP. So he's losing you $2 worth of, worth of value. The first major value um, in the draft, it looks like Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, projection of 626 plate appearances, 96 runs, 43 home runs, 109 RBI, Three stolen bases with a 267 batting average at an ADP of 21. That's $28 worth of value at a $26 pick. So $2 worth of value being generated there. So of these three guys, do you have a preference of Judge, Harper, and Stanton? Or how exactly would you go about ranking them? When it comes to Judge and Stanton, I always just have, like, want to bang my head against the wall because you know that they should use, like they could easily hit 50 home runs. You would not be shocked. Um, yeah. Judge just I'm not I hate using the word injury prone but he just hasn't put a full season together and it's really frustrating here um I think he might be the most I want to say might be the most talented of this threesome even though I really like Bryce Harper in Philadelphia um are these projections updated with the move to Philadelphia uh that is a good uh question let me I'll take a really look That's quick look at uh at Harper's page but um, keep talking while yeah. I'm doing it. <laughs> part, of me wa- part of me wants to go Bryce Harper because in Philadelphia, what they built there, given the Yankees line, it's ridiculous in the Yankee Stadium. That's why you're kind of picking at straws here. And that's how you mentioned, you know, Judge is minus $2, Harper's minus 2 Stanton's plus 2 All the projection sites love Stanton to go on just a massive home run barrage this year. Um, they haven't projected to hit the most home runs in all of baseball. So if, if you believe in that, then there's definitely a love for Giancarlo Stanton. But when you're drafting these guys, you're taking the, the average hit. I think the guy that can get you the best average if he gets a go is Bryce Harper. Um, I, I'm going Bryce here. It's really, really close. Like, Judge, when he's healthy, is just an absolute monster. He just doesn't stay healthy for me. I know I'm just kind of pedaling around in circles here, but this is a really, really tight three. 
that yeah. uh, I'll take I'll take Harper and I'll go Judge and I'll go Stanton. But you know, if you believe projections, and I like projection sites quite a bit, Stanton's your power guy if that's what you really want. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a tough one. These are three guys I probably won't own um, in any leagues just because the profile isn't necessarily what I'm looking for at this point, just because, you know, and again, a lot of the leagues that I'm playing have an overall competition. And so that's why I'm so um, kind of focused on this a little bit. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, I would probably rank them Stanton, Judge, Harper. Um, you know, the, the Harper projection, I think it is up slightly um, based on the move to, to Philly. So it's probably maybe a little bit higher 90s in the counting stats. The home runs are pretty, pretty similar. Um, but, you know, for me, I think Stanton, obviously, even last year when he underperformed, he still performed. I mean, he still – you didn't lose your league because you drafted Giancarlo True. Stanton. Um, you know, Judge, obviously, he had the injury last year. The power and the approach is tremendous. You know, obviously, in an OBP league, Judge and Harper are easily in the first round for me. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, Harper's speed maybe is a little bit of a tiebreaker um, over Judge. So maybe I'd go Stanton, Harper, Judge, considering where Harper ended up. Um, but again, it's, a, it's, it's really close. I mean, there are some really um, uh, tight calls here at the beginning of the, of the outfielders um, as you look at your, your second round uh, picks. Um, all right, the next, next up we've got, um, you know, I'll call them, uh, I'll call them a speedy uh, five players. Um, out, uh, except for Juan Soto, he is not speedy, but um, <laughs> that's a different story. Uh, so Charlie Blackman, ADP of 27 right now, 652 plate appearances, 101 runs, 27 home runs, 80 RBI, 12 stolen bases with a 292 batting average. That's good for a $25 valuation at a $25 ADP. So Blackman is neutral right now in terms of projection and ADP, so he's probably going about the right place. Andrew Benintendi, ADP of 28, 656 plate appearances, 97 runs, 18 home runs, 79 RBI, 19 stolen bases with a 286 batting average. So that's a $23 projection at a $25 ADP. Uh, so he's losing you two there. Uh, Whit Merrifield, who in the past I have absolutely loved, um, he's at an ADP of 31 with 649 plate appearances, 81 runs, 13 home runs, 64 RBI, 31 stolen bases with a 279 batting average. That's a $20 valuation at a $24 ADP. So Wit is losing you $4. Juan Soto uh, is up next, ADP of 33. He's got a projection of 628 plate appearances, 91 runs. 28 home runs, 92 RBI, seven stolen bases, and a 292 batting average. That's a $23 valuation at a $23 ADP. So he's neutral in terms of, uh, he seems to be, uh, uh, the market seems to have valued him correctly. And then uh, the last guy who I will, I am biased in saying that I love having him on my teams <laughs> this year is Starling Marte. Uh, ADP of 36, 628 plate appearances, 84 runs. 19 home runs, 70 RBI, 35 stolen bases with a 281 batting average. That's a $25 valuation at a $23 ADP. So he's a $2 value. So let me ask you this. Are, are there any of this group of five that you would take over Judge, Harper, or Stanton? Oh. Um, part of me wants to say I rank Juan Soto in that group. 
because mm-hmm. I think we still have we saw a lot of him last year, obviously. Like, but we're seeing a guy; he's going to have a higher average than those three. He might; he's probably going to be like maybe eight to ten home runs shorter. But the run production, the RBIs will all match up. So, it kind of do you want to take the the home run hit and get home runs later? Because you can't find a ton of average later in drafts where you can mm-hmm. find power. I I wouldn't mind putting Soto up there. I think he can make that jump, but um, it's hard to take him over those three. But I could definitely put him in the conversation with those three. All right, and and of of those five players, are there are there particular guys you like or oh, or yes. dislike, and and why? Uh, Charlie Blackman. I'll be totally honest. People might think I have a like hatred for him. I don't hate Charlie Blackman. I just I can't draft Charlie Blackman right there. Maybe I could be <laughs> totally wrong, but. I see a guy at his age and I see all these young studs around him and I, you know, you can't predict injuries, but if someone's going to fall off first, I'm going to go with the old man. That's just the way I look at it. And I want the guy right behind him, Andrew Benintendi. I've been preaching it from the rooftops. I actually did it last year. I had him as a top 10 outfielder for me. People critiqued me. He didn't finish top 10, but he finished pretty darn close compared to what people expected. And I think he will be a top 10 outfielder this year. I think this guy is a monster. Um, the power just keeps getting better. There is 20 home run power in that bat. If he can put up 20 home runs with the amount of steals, he's, he's going to be a 20-20 guy this year, potential 25-25 possibilities, but he might not get there with homers. He'll get there with stolen bases. Um, he's going to be leading off of the Red Sox. You can imagine the amount of runs he's going to score leading off in that lineup. Like, yeah. we're, like 120s, not even out of the possibility for a guy leading off in that lineup. It's just – I know I might be shooting for ceilings here, but – when you're, when you're trying to decipher at this point in the draft, because all these guys are so good, like you're trying to pick your, your battles, I think Benintendi's ceiling is so much higher than some of this group right here. This group's really, really good. But Benintendi, his average is really good. He's going to score a ton of runs. He's going to steal bags, and the power's still developing. Like, it's coming. So I love Andrew Benintendi. And then if I, if I need to, I, I profess my love for Whit Merrifield. I'm with you. I, this guy's great. I draft him as a second baseman, but the fact he's got outfield eligibility is, is outstanding. Um, I, I have him right next to Jose Altuve for me at second baseman. I think this guy is that good. Uh, the stolen base is as, as hard as it is to find guys with stolen base abilities like Whit Merrifield on a team that's going to be so bad. Salvi Perez is gone now, so they have nothing there. They're going to let Whit get on base and just run. He's going to run and run and run. If he wants to steal second and third every time he gets on base, they might as well let him because there's nothing else. They, they, they have to manufacture runs. They have no option. So I think what Merrifield is tremendous, but the power is in question. Give me Andrew Benintendi out of this group. I love Juan Soto already. It's been established. And I have no hate against Starling Marte. He's just kind of that bland guy that by the end of the year has an amazing stat line that helps your fantasy team every time. Yeah, um, uh, I, I am of the uh, – I actually like Marte most of this group. Um, he's kind of a projections darling, I think, um, because of where his ADP is going, being this high up, uh, getting $2 worth of value. The thing for Marte is that the, the approach is, is pretty balanced because he'll get you a ton of stolen bases. The batting average won't be terrible. And the power is actually interesting. You know, last year um, he was a super in- uh, intriguing guy. Uh, in the first half, his contact rate was really high. Um, his hard hit rate was really high, and his ground ball rate was lower than it usually is. I mean, um, you know, he's a pretty high ground ball guy. Um, but he suffered a, a, an injury um, towards the, the in the second half. And when you look at his rolling average graph, the skills just drop so sharply that it really destroyed what started out as a really good season. So 
in the first half in 351 plate appearances, he hit 285 with 52 runs, 13 home runs, 44 RBI, and 25 stolen bases. Um, and, and I think the injury is what really slowed him down. And so I actually like him a lot. Um, the challenge with him, I think, where he's going is, um, you know, he's going in a position where, for me, in 15 team leagues at least, I'm trying to get two aces um, be, for the same reason you mentioned when discussing TGFBI. I love uh, the strategy of getting those two aces early and then just kind of not punting starting pitching, but waiting until I start to see some values later on. Because I think, you know, there's a whole lot of guys that are kind of the same. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, you know, I like Jack Flaherty. I like uh, Herman Marquez uh, going in that range, but they do come with some uh, risk. I mean, everybody does, but they haven't performed at that elite level over a full season yet. And so um, if I have to get one of those guys as my number two, I'm fine. But, you know, if you're going to get Marte in a draft, you're probably going to be drafting in the first, you know, six or so picks because he's really um, – uh, shooting down drafts or up drafts, depending on how you want to think about it. I've been a little down on, on Soto just because I think, you know, he's got a really high ground ball rate and the skills don't outside of the plate discipline, don't really leap, leap off the page for me. Um, you know, he had a pretty favorable BABIP I think last year. And so, um, but I agree with you, like the counting stats are going to be really good. I think the nationals lineup, even without Harper is still going to be sweet. You know, I mean, Adam Eaton is, is underrated. He gets on base a ton. Trey Turner's great. He gets on base a ton. Uh, Soto, you know, I think he may bat third um, just because uh, of the left, right, left, right. And then Rendon batting fourth. I just think it's a really nice uh, lineup. It sets really well. Um, it sets up really well. And that's not even talking about, you know, Dozier and Robles and Zimmerman and, and other guys like that. Uh, I'm actually a little down on Merrifield at his, just because of that, where you're buying him. I think, you know, where you're buying him, you need him to get that 45 stolen bases. And while I think that that's definitely a possibility, and I think the projection is low on him at the 31 stolen bases, I don't think that 20 home run power is getting back. And he had a little bit of a contact struggles down the stretch. And so I, I think the projection is about right on his batting average there at 279, which is very different from where he hit 300 uh, last year. And then with Blackman, I mean, Blackman's, Blackman's fine, I think. Uh, Benintendi, Benintendi is interesting. I agree. I think batting leadoff for the Red Sox is going to be a huge help for him. I do have questions about the power, but you can't really, um, can't really complain too much about that type of, batted, uh, that type of balanced profile. Um, cool. Now, here's a guy who's further down probably than a lot of people expect, and that's Chris Bryant. ADP of 36, uh, projection of 649 plate appearances, 95 runs, 29 home runs, 88 RBI, six stolen bases with a 276 batting average. That's a $21 valuation um, going at a $23 cost. Now compare that to um, some other kind of young power hitters. Uh, Reese Hoskins, ADP of 43, 653 plate appearances, 89 runs, 37 home runs, 100 RBIs, four stolen bases, and a 251 batting average. And now Bryce Harper batting either uh, in front of him or behind him. And then Cody Ballinger, ADP of 44, 600. Oh, I, I forgot to mention the valuation. So for Hoskins, it's a $22 valuation at a $21 ADP. So that's $1 worth of value, which is the same as Cody Bellinger, whose projection is valued at $22 with a $21 ADP. And that projection is 636 plate appearances. 
87 runs, 32 home runs, 94 RBI, 11 stolen bases with a 259 batting average. So of those three guys with outfield eligibility, obviously you're getting Bellinger probably more as a, well, likely more as a first baseman and Bryant more as a third baseman. But of those three guys, um, who do you like the most straight up and who do you like the most going where they're going? Uh, it's the same for me where they're going and straight up is give me all of the Reese Hoskins this year. And this is before Bryce Harper got there. Yeah. I am super in love with this guy. And you mentioned Bryce being there. That doesn't do anything but elevate what's coming. But like for people that just want to get bored, like I do once in a while when I tweet out pictures of stat cast information, um, <laughs> if you want a fun page, just go play on Reese Hoskins for a little bit. Um, it, it, it's, it's basically what they made this website for, I believe. Uh, he, he barrels the ball up, you know, 11.4% last year, 135 in 2017. His exit velo is insane. His hard hit rate is insane. Um, but the, one of the big things I really liked to see last year is his, um, his splits last year. He had 20 home runs after the all-star break, you know, on a quiet season for Reese Hoskins, because everyone loved him going into the year. He gets hit in the face, misses a little bit of time, comes back and just keeps crushing the baseball. Um, by season's end, you know, when people did their wrap-up reports, you didn't really hear his name mentioned much. When you look at his numbers, he still had 34 home runs. He still hit 245, which for him, not bad at all. Uh, 96 ribbies, 89 runs batted in. And again, he missed time. Like, this guy is so good. And one thing I really liked about him is he's going back to first base, I, I, where he hit even better the year before. Uh, he's going to gain first base eligibility, like you mentioned with Bellinger and, and Bryant, probably drafting them for their other positions. You know, after a couple of weeks, Hoskins or a month, Hoskins will be going to first base for you in a position that's not as deep as it once was with the upper echelon talent. That's why I always got to clarify because it is deep, just not where you, you're used to having it. I think this guy is good for a huge season. Um, I love Reese Hoskins. I think this is a nice value, kind of like how I love Benintendi where you're getting him. If you can get Hoskins where you're getting him or maybe a little bit earlier, I think there's a lot to like there. Um, and, and I think these projections are just kind of the floor for him where he's going to explode past there. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see a 40 home run season from Hoskins this year. Nice. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, Bryant is, is an, is a no go. I'm not a Chris Bryant fan. Um, I haven't been for a couple of years now. I just don't, um, I just think he's kind of a three category contributor. Like he's not really stealing anymore. Um, his batting average has been uh, slightly inflated. I think he hit 294 two years ago, but his expected average was in the was in the 270s. Um, you know, I just don't I don't see the same upside. I, I see a different player than his rookie season, and whether that's pitchers adjusting, whether it's injuries, I'm not sure. But I would want to see him produce like he did uh, before uh, before I move him up uh, draft boards. Um, Hoskins, I think the addition of Harper is huge. Um, for him, I assume Harper, I have not thought a ton about it, but I assume that Harper will probably bat third and he'll bat fourth or Harper will be, will be batting fourth and, and Hoskins fifth, whatever it is. I think the RBI totals are going to be really nice. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon, Bryce Harper, sure. I mean, Rail Muta. I mean, like, you know, there's just, just loaded. there's absolutely it's loaded. loaded. It's totally <laughs> loaded. And with some really good OBP guys too. So that'll be really nice. The average is always a concern with Hoskins, but I think he'll produce enough. Uh, you know, to get at that value. Bellinger is, is a really hard guy for me to pin down. I mentioned this in the yeah. first base preview, but um, I don't believe in the power. So I don't think he's going to hit the 32 home runs. I think that, um, you know, the power metrics are not overwhelming with Bellinger um, from this past year. 
Um, I think the counting stats are fine, you know, in the high 80s. Um, I actually think the stolen base projection is low at 11. I think he stole 14 bases last year, if I'm remembering correctly. And he's a fast dude. I was amazed when I looked at his sprint score. But um, he, uh, he's over 29 feet per second, I want to say. I can't remember the exact number. It may be the high 28s, but really like borderline elite speed for him. And he was a very good base dealer last year. And so the Dodgers, you never know, but um, he could get some stolen bases. But the average, you know, I could see that being anywhere from like 235 to 275. And that gives me a little concern. So I'm probably not going to get him. But I do think that the power speed um, combo, and by power, I mean like 25 home runs, 15 stolen bases, um, is really nice anywhere in the draft. And so I don't necessarily mind him, but I don't love him. Um, all right. Uh, next up, we're going to cover um, some kind of speed slash balanced guys, I guess you would call them. Um, and they are guys who are among my favorite players um, for this this year. So, Bubba, when it's your turn, you you have to say nice things about them. I like most of these guys. So okay. okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. So I'm going to go, I'm going to cover five of them right here with the projections. So uh, first up is Lorenzo Kane, ADP of 62, 628 plate appearances, 85 runs, 13 home runs, 59 RBI, 23 stolen bases with a 289 batting average. Uh, that's good for an $18 valuation at an $8, $18 cost. So he's neutral. Tommy Pham, uh, ADP of 64, $18 valuation, $18 ADP, a value of $0. Um, his uh, plate appearances are 589, which seems low to me, uh, 83 runs, uh, 22 home runs, 71 RBI, 17 stolen bases with a 264 uh, batting average. Um, I, I have some issues uh, all across the board with Pham's, um, uh, Pham's projection, but uh, you know, it's probably just my biases coming into play here. So he's neutral. David Dahl, ADP of 65, um, 575 plate appearances, 75 runs, 24 home runs, 81 RBI, 11 stolen bases with a 272 batting average. And that's a $17 valuation at an $18 cost. So he's losing you $1, but, you know, pretty close. Uh, George Springer is next, ADP of 66. $19 valuation at an $18 cost. Um, it actually rounds up to a $2 worth of value for his projection, which is 634 plate appearances, 96 runs, 26 home runs, 79 RBI, eight stolen bases with a 268 batting average, and news out of spring training that he's been doing yes. some, some explosive, some work, working on his explosiveness so that he can steal some bases. He is potentially the worst <laughs> Stolen base guy outside of Rubenet Odor. I can't remember what his career stolen base percentage is, but it's super low. Uh, so he'll definitely need to add some explosiveness. Best shape of his life. Uh, Yasiel Puig uh, is going at an ADP of 69. Uh, nice. nice. Uh, six, uh, $21 uh, valuation. I, I absolutely love Yasiel Puig, just so everybody knows. I own him on every single team that I have this year. Yeah, uh, I know. I, know. Uh, I, I know. remember. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. He's not on the Dodgers anymore, Bubba. You don't got to. Uh, oh, I know. I root for him now. You don't got to hate. Second he got, <laughs> the second he got traded, I was doing. I was sending out tweets. I'm back on the bandwagon. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> uh, so $21 valuation at a $17 cost. A $4 value this high up in the draft is pretty stupendous. 
Um, 579 plate appearances, so less than 600 plate appearances. The projection is 80 runs, 29 home runs, 85 RBI, 14 stolen bases, and a 271 batting average. So, um, outside of these five guys, outside of Yasiel Puig, since he's clearly the best. No, yes. I'm just kidding. Uh, of these five, are there guys that you are find yourself having on your teams? Are there guys that you really like at their ADP? Kind of give me your your rundown on on how you feel about some of these guys. Like I'm with you 100% on Yasiel Puig. I, I think that these projections are kind of friendly, or, or at worst, you're getting the guy that's contributing in all five categories at the 69th pick of the draft. It's only fitting that Yasiel 69. It just makes total sense here. Yeah. But um, to get that kind of stolen base production, that power production in that ballpark, there, there's so much to like about Yasiel. I don't own him yet because every time I put him in my queue, he's gone. Like you, it's one of those I'll just flat out tell people. It, you look at the ADP of 69. Plan on taking him between 55 and 60. He might even be gone before that. Like, that's where I've been seeing he's yeah. been disappearing quickly. Like, if you really want him, this is a guy you're going to have to reach on. That's just the, the simple facts of it. And I don't hate you reaching on him because I think he can produce, like, you know, some guys we talked about earlier, he might not have the steals of Starling Marte, but he can produce like Starling Marte. I wouldn't be shocked. He might be better than Starling Marte by season's end, minus the steal factor, obviously. But the rest of the production is the same. Uh, I think he outproduces Lorenzo Kane. So if you want to think about it in that respect, that's only like, seven draft picks, but that's kind of jumping I'd be doing. Um, Tommy Pham, in love with Tommy Pham. I know you yeah. said you have a bias. I'm curious to hear about this when we get to it. But And I know you're not supposed to look at just second-half numbers to, to, to make people swoon, but what he did when he went to Tampa Bay, there has to be something taken into account there because he was not happy in St. Louis. It was very, very obvious. It's been written about. There's a lot to be said about a baseball player when they're not motivated and not happy on how they produce on a baseball field. Um I'm not saying it's the only reason why things struggled there, but I think there's a big factor to that. When he went to Tampa Bay, he started hitting the ball harder and more consistent than he's done in his whole career probably. And I think that carries over this year. I think there's a lot to like there with him. He's still – he is going to be 31 this year, so that's something to think about. But I, I do really like Tommy Pham, another guy like Puig that will help you in all your categories. And that is a big, big factor for me. Um, out of the other guys, Springer is enticing. Can he do it? Is he going to run more? I like what we're seeing. I'm still not 100% in on him. Um, I like him. David Dahl is a question mark to me. We saw him tear it up for a month or two. He never stays healthy. We haven't seen it yet. Um, I'll, I'll probably be out on Dahl because everyone is just running to draft him way more than I want to draft him. And the last guy you mentioned is Lorenzo Kane, who I think is awesome. He's in a great ballpark in Milwaukee, a really good lineup. There's no problem having Lorenzo Kane on this, your team. He's kind of just that bland guy that's there, but he produces for you by the end of the season. But out of this group, I want Puig and I want Tommy Pham if I can get any of these five. Yes. Love your analysis on these. Um, no, my bias is just I love Tommy Pham. Uh, oh, okay. I thought it was negative where you worried me with your no. tone. I was like, no, Tommy Pham's amazing. Yeah. And Yancey Eaton, Eaton will never listen to your podcast <laughs> if you were to say something bad. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I would never say anything bad about any Tampa Bay Ray uh, on this <laughs> podcast, Bubba. Uh, because, smart, uh, smart. Uh, Yancey is a, is a terrific and a very well-respected listener. Uh, shout out to Yancey. Um, yeah, no, I love Pham. Uh, absolutely. Uh you know, he, he, he has struggled with injuries in the past, so maybe the 589 plate appearances is, is reasonable. Um, you know, his batting average has uh, been better than 264. Last year, when he was struggling, he was, he was in, like, a terrible BABIP run, like the worst BABIP run. He doesn't have a long career. It was easily the worst of his career. 
Um, but his BABIP got very low for a long time, despite having some pretty nice skills. I mean, the, the contact dipped a little bit during that period of time, but he still had great plate discipline. He was still hitting the ball hard. And so it was just a matter of time. And I just can't believe the Cardinals traded him. Like, that. that is a trade that I yes. just do not understand. Like, there's no ex- explaining that trade to me. That was just a situation yes. where they soured on a player and yep. they traded him so far below market value. I mean, with three years team control, it was just um, absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, I think, you know, last year, um, I think he gets on base a ton. I like the Rays lineup all right, at least the top uh, end of the Rays lineup. I think that'll be good. Um, I think that, um, you know, he's going to steal bases in that lineup. The, the Rays steal some bases. Uh, he contributes in five categories. I love him. I was actually testing the powers of fate. Uh, in a recent draft that I had, I'm in a, I'm in a draft champions um, on NFBC. I should actually check to see whether I'm up anytime soon. Um, but um, I have, I had the fourth pick of the draft and uh, I started out with Trey Turner and then I went uh, Trevor Bauer and Carlos Carrasco. And then on coming around, I had the, um, the 57th pick and the 64th pick. And I wanted Fam and Puig. Oh, I wanted Puig more. I wanted Puig more. <laughs> But I knew that Puig was more likely to make it to the 64th pick than Fam, and I don't have a ton of shares of Fam, so I went Fam at 57, and Puig came around at 64 to me, and I've got that combo I think actually on a couple teams, which I just absolutely love. This team is actually this DC is actually working out um, really. I really like the team that I uh, that I have right now, but that is for a different story. I'll share that on Twitter at some point. But um, that was like a testing of my fate because I actually like Puig more. I drafted Puig at pick 47 in TGFBI. So that tells you how much I love him just because I have him as like my 45th best player on the board um, from, from a valuation standpoint. So I love him. Um, Springer I like, but I just don't find, I guess there's just not enough of a standout quality uh, that makes me pick him because I think Puig's there, Fam's there, even Kane, like the home runs are an issue, but I think the batting average and the stolen bases, like, the 23 stolen bases seems low to me. He was very successful last year, and he stole over 30 stolen bases. He's got a great approach at the plate. He gets on base a ton, um, and he has a high batting average. You know, So I think you know, even the 289 may be slightly low, although it's hard to project you know, much higher than that. And so you know, of these guys, I think the clear loser for me is David Dahl. I think he's got major contact issues. He's got platoon issues. And while there's no doubt about the skills, he's also got injury concerns. And so just based on where he's going compared to other guys, um, you know, I just can't, I can't justify taking him here with, you know, like with the likelihood that Puig, Springer, Pham, and even Kane might be on the board when he goes. And even having like Marcelo Zuna and, Ros- and Eddie Rosario after that, I, I just don't, I'm not going to own David Dahl this year. So um, I think we're in pretty much lockstep there. All right, the next group of guys, um, uh, I'll, I'll do five again, um, is going to be um, uh, Marcel Ozuna. So he's going in an ADP of 82. He's actually somebody that I've noticed um, who has been falling pretty considerably in drafts. I've seen him go pretty late. I think in, t- in today's, tonight's Tout Wars draft, he actually might have gone around pick 100 or something like that, like pretty far back, maybe end of the eighth round, I want to say. So maybe even further than that. Uh, he's got a $19 valuation, though, a $16 ADP. 
Um, he that's good for three dollars worth of value this high up in the draft. Six hundred twenty-two plate appearances, seventy-nine runs, twenty-seven home runs, ninety-one RBI, two stolen bases with a two eighty-five batting average. And the thing that always surprises me about Ozuna is the batting average. He's been consistently excellent in that regard, and one of the most consistent hitters from a skill perspective, um, too. Uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie the Fire Eagle Rosario, one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> ADP of $89, $20 valuation going at a $16 ADP. That's good for $4 value within the top 100. Uh, eye emoji, uh, 627 plate appearances, 83 runs, 26 home runs. 84 RBI, nine stolen bases with a 278 batting average. Uh, next up, we got uh, a speedster, Malik Smith, ADP of 92. Uh, $15 valuation, $16 pick. Uh, it rounds up to zero, so a neutral pick. 621 plate appearances, 75 runs, five home runs, 45 RBI, 40 stolen bases with a 265 batting average. Mitch Hanniger. ADP of 95. It's a $16 value at a a $15 or $16 valuation at a $15 pick for $1 worth of value. His projection is 647 plate appearances, 83 runs, 24 home runs, 83 RBI, seven stolen bases with a 265 batting average. And the last guy in this group of five is Victor Robles, an ADP of 96, a Bubba favorites $16 valuation $15 ADP $1 worth of value 578 player plate appearances so a later player plate appearance total 74 runs 14 home runs 61 RBI and 25 stolen bases with a 275 batting average Uh, and a guy that I don't own any shares of yet Victor Robles that I really really want to make sure that I have shares Mm -hmm. of all right, Bubba, I know you love Victor Robles in this group uh, for sure, but talk to me a little bit. Who, of, the, of these five, who are some guys that you like, any that you're kind of fading or don't find yourself drafting? Uh, Malik Smith is one I'm having trouble getting to. Uh, I love the stolen base upside. I love the fact he should be hitting at the top of the order in Seattle, which is still not a great lineup, but not a horrible lineup. I, I just can't bring myself to grab him at these points. Now, if you're desperate for stolen bases – Go for it. If you're in an OBP league, knock yourself out. But uh, I probably won't be going there. Mitch Hanniger, same thing. I, I, I know he's already kind of banged up, and it's early spring, so it might be kind of they're just covering their bases. I, for some reason, just can't find myself to Mitch Hanniger because I'd rather go Ozuna, the pack ahead of him we talked about, or some guys coming up in a bit over Mitch Hanniger. So maybe I'm missing out on something there. Who knows? Marcelo Ozuna, love him, like him a lot. Uh, There's a lot of issues with his, his you know, being injured last year. And waiting for him to bust out. We've seen how good he could be in 17 and 16. So maybe maybe he bounces back this season. Uh, Ed Rosario is really, really good. I know you absolutely love him. I love his power. I, I love his teammate as well, which I drafted in TGFBI. There's a lot to like there with Eddie Rosario. No problems at all. But Victor Robles, I wanted to save my time for him. <laughs> um, th- th- this is my man. This is my man crush. Uh, the way Sammy Reed looks at Juan Soto, I will look at Victor Robles. Um, <laughs> Uh, you got to get a shirt. Yes, I need to figure. Well, you got to get a good nickname for it first. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the the thing I tweet out, I've tweeted it out three or four times now in like the last year. And people that don't follow me enough or pay attention, I'm a very sarcastic person. So if I tweet something out, don't take it too seriously. But <laughs> all I tweeted out was 
people would not know Juan Soto if Victor Robles wasn't hurt. The point of that comment is Victor Robles would have been in the bigs last year and Juan Soto might have been in double A by the season's end, triple A probably. People need to understand that Victor Robles is very, very, very good at baseball. <laughs> and he's going to be awesome. Like in the spring training game today, they had him batting fourth or fifth in their lineup. Um, I Some projection sites show him leading off, which would be amazing. Some show, show him farther down in the order. It just depends on where Adam Eaton goes. David uh, Martinez is saying he's going to lead off. And if that's the case, I love him even more. Really? If if he leads off, I am over the moon with Victor Robles. Like this, this draft spot here is amazing. I jumped for him before. He's got stolen base upside. He's got power upside. He's gonna hit. He's got great hit tools. He is the right-handed version of maybe Juan Soto, if not better than Juan Soto. It's gonna be crazy good in that lineup. Um, you, the projection is 14 homers, 61 ribbies, 74 runs scored, 25 stolen bases. That 25 stolen bases is oh so nice at that point in the draft. I'd rather have that kind of more balanced area than going all in on steals with Malik Smith in this range. I think Victor Robles. I've said it on other shows. I've said it on my shows. I'll say it on your show. Victor Robles is this year's Ronald Acuna at draft time. He's going to be the guy by the season's end that's way up the list, mm. and you're realizing, in the, especially in the outfield position, he's this year's Ronald Acuna. So I'm all in on Victor Robles. I am jumping to take him earlier. Um, I won't jump him over like Yasiel Puig and company, but if, if I hear for sure he's leading off, I'll debate it a lot more. But I love Victor Robles this season. Love it. Love it. Um, awesome. Well, and I think he's going to start shooting up drafts because I think in, in, and again, this is anecdotal, but like, um, he's been moving up a little bit. He was in the low one hundreds. He's now at 96 in the last two weeks. Um, but you know, I've seen him go in my last couple drafts in the mid eighties. And I think that's probably where he's going to settle. If not in the low eighties, um, high seventies, I just think there's, uh, there's a little pocket. Of, there's a little pocket of not a ton of great guys there, mm-hmm. um, and so it's just going to be fascinating. I've heard other people mention it on podcasts, but you know it's going to be really interesting to see the dynamic of closers. Like I'm in a league right now, the the uh, uh, the draft champions league, where the run of closers went super early. So like all the closers that are normally going like between 95 and 105 kind of went went in the 80 to 90 range in this draft. Like there was just a major run on all of them. And so that pushed that, that pushed them up. I thought that they were falling down a little bit. It's just going to be really interesting to see, like there's all these pockets of value I feel like, and to see how they shift around just on how you construct your team, right? Like the stolen base pocket of guys, the, uh, the saves pocket of guys, like it's just going to be really fascinating as drafts get closer and closer and closer you know, like how that how that's going to play out, but um, well, like Severino's injury now, what starter is going to oh, go a little yeah. earlier? Like, there's some, it, yeah, it's going to change all the time. In TGFBI, Robles is going almost 85th, so he's even all 11 picks higher than he is in an FBC. Wow, yeah, so yeah, and, and this isn't a starting pitcher preview, but yeah, that Sevy injury, I, I I hate it because I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I don't have set, I don't own Sevy in any leagues. I actually in my Dynasty League traded him for Garrett Cole um, and, and some other players this year. Um, and so so I feel okay about that. But the challenge is, is that now I'm worried that that's going to push up like Trevor Bauer, for instance, because yep. I feel like Bauer and Seve were kind of even. Bauer, I think, has a slightly better ADP. Um, but um, but also like one of the best tweets I've seen recently. Did you see that uh, Bauer tweet uh, where he threw his change up for a strikeout in spring training and he had a gif of it and he said – Man, wouldn't that be terrible if my changeup 
that I worked on this off season is as good as the slider I worked on last off season. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, I know people don't like Trevor Bauer, and this is a yeah. Trevor Bauer podcast, but I think he's is so great for baseball. I really, really do. Just because you love him or you hate him, but he's bringing attention to things that make baseball fun. So I, I think he's awesome. But yeah, he does have his flaws. I will admit that. Yeah, and 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 he works hard, man. That's yes. one thing that I love about him is. He's working hard. He's trying to be the best. He wants to be He's the best. He's trying to grow the game, which is yep. great. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, um, yeah, and, uh, and so anyways, getting off of our starting pitcher's tangent, Trevor <laughs> Bauer is my number six pitcher, just so folks are, are, are aware. Um, but, uh, okay, so, uh, yes, I also like Robles. I, am, I definitely have the fear of missing out over him because I don't have him in, in any drafts. I was going to draft him. Um, at pick eight, uh, 87 um, in, uh, just now uh, in my draft champions, and he went. Uh, uh, he went before that, so I wasn't able to get him. I thought I was, I was going to get my share of Victor Robles, which would have been terrific. Love Eddie Rosar- Rosario. He had a shoulder injury that bothered him after, I believe it was uh, July. Uh, Brian Slack has had a tweet that kind of showed before and after, and I think he was due for some regression. I actually... Uh, traded him mid-season of TGFBI for Trevor Bauer um, last year, and both of them promptly uh, either did poorly or got injured. Um, but I really like him. I like the balance profile. I, I think it's great. I think he belongs in that, like, 60 range along with Puig and Springer and Pham and Kane and because I think the skill set is pretty pretty similar, although don't go overboard on the stolen bases. And I agree with you that um, Malik Smith is a guy that I just don't find myself getting I like to stay away from the rabbits if I can, just the guys yes. who are going to hurt you in RBI and home runs. Uh, the benefit for him is that he's not going to hurt you in batting average like a Billy Hamilton will, um, and he gets on base at a decent clip. So that is a positive, so I don't dislike him. And then Mitch Haniger um, is a guy who's just kind of there. Yeah. Like I feel like he doesn't have a standout quality necessarily, and so he never ends up on my team because it's like, who would you rather have, Mitch Haniger or Michael Conforto? Oh, I'm waiting. Conforto, big time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's just guys, like even Will Myers. Who would you rather have, Will Myers or Mitch Haniger? Probably Myers just for that stolen base upside. Yeah, like, and so it's just that it's one of those things where if you don't have, like, a standout quality and you aren't, like, particularly good at something, like, you just end up getting bypassed. And I think that's where I'm with Haniger. All right, let's let's get to the Michael Conforto group. That's what we'll call this. Um, you know, even though it's, it's, a, it's quite a cast of characters. Um, so Nick Castellanos is the next outfielder by ADP at an ADP of 104, $16 valuation at a $14 cost. So that's a $2 value, 643 plate appearances, 81 runs, 25 home runs, 88 RBI, three stolen bases and a 279 average, man, it would be so nice if he was out of Tiger stadium in that lineup. Oh, it's going to (laughs) happen. Michael Conforto is also at a 104 ADP. He's got a $15 valuation at a $14 cost with a $1 value. 625 plate appearances, 80 runs, 30 home runs, 85 RBI, four stolen bases with a 251 batting average. I think the projection on him is low. Uh, D. Gordon, uh, ADP of 105, $14 valuation at a, 15, uh, at a $14 pick. Uh, that is, it, it rounds up to a negative $1 value. 609 plate appearances. 70 runs, four home runs, 45 RBI, 37 stolen bases with a 275 batting average. 
Justin Upton, uh, who is, who's been, he's been a guy who's like falling down draft boards and I'm not sure why, but part of me also isn't jumping at the chance to get him. So I'm not sure. ADP of 106, $18 valuation, $14 pick, a $4 value going right there. Um, 621 plate appearances, 83 runs, 30 home runs, 89 RBI, eight stolen bases and a 250 average. And then the last person in this group of five is AJ Pollock, ADP of 107, shooting up draft boards after signing with the Dodgers, $16 value, $14 um, valuation, $14 pick, $2 worth of value, 570 plate appearances, 79 runs, 22 home runs, 71 uh, RBI, 17 stolen bases with a 261 batting average. All right. You love Michael Conforto. Tell us why, Bubba. Okay, and I mentioned earlier with Tommy Pham, you shouldn't use first and second half splits. With Michael Conforto, I will because <laughs> he came. Well, because he came back way too early from his shoulder yeah. injury. Um, they they were talking, you know, before the season last year that he'd, be, he'd miss a month, two months, maybe even three. Next thing you know, he's ready for opening day. Like, I'm sorry, but you probably rushed something back, and the Mets had no reason to rush him back. First half, second half, he had two sixteen to two seventy three, eleven homers to seventeen homers, and he played in seventeen fewer games. The power was there. The run production was there. Um, he was running. He, he was one for two on steals instead of two for two. So the running was the same. But the biggest thing for me is that power upside, the home runs, um, the average. There was just so, so much to like there when it came to, um, to Conforto in that second half. I think there's more to come with him as well. This guy is really, really good. We saw it uh, in 2017 when he kind of got his first big break. He had 27 homers as well. He had, still had 28 last year, but – you know, he hit 279 in, in 17 instead of 243 because he didn't get off to a slow start. Uh, he walks 13% of the time, which is pretty darn good for a young kid. Uh, you look at the power metrics, the ISO is so low last year because of that shoulder. I, I'm pretty confident. I'm no doctor. I haven't seen a Holiday Inn Express, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's because of his shoulder. Like, there is a lot to like about this guy. I am a big, big fan of Conforto, big fan of his teammate Brandon Nimmo as well. But um, I, I think you can really, really enjoy what you're getting with Michael Conforto. So, I think at, at that point in the draft, it is a steal. Um, you know, you look at his, ex, his, his baseball savant page, good uh, stat cast metrics as well. So, yeah, give me all the Michael Conforto. I take him over uh, Mitch Haniger for sure. I take him over Malik Smith. I'd probably take him over Eddie Rosario. I know that might offend you a little bit. I'm, I'm but, very uh, offended. Yeah, I know. But uh, I, I do like me some Michael Conforto. This Definitely. Year. Yeah. And he's actually the guy that I ended up getting. Um, when Victor Robles left. So I don't, I don't think I got him at pick 87. I think I got him at pick 94, but I love Conforto too. I think, you know, the projection is not factoring in uh, the injury in the first half. Um, I think in the second half, he was a totally different player. The power is um, really, really nice. And I think the Mets lineup is not tremendous, but it's not bad. Um, And I think, you know, they have some additions that will help him out uh, a little bit this year. Um, are there any other guys of those five that you had any, any thoughts on or, or, or uh, yeah, feelings I'll about? Yeah, I'll give you a quick, quick thoughts. Uh, Nick Castellanos, huge fan. He is a stat cast darling. I know I reference this a lot, but when a guy hits the ball as hard as he does, if he can develop a consistent launch angle, it can be ridiculously dangerous. And as this era keeps growing, in one of these years, he's going to show up to camp with the launch angle. It's just going to happen. So keep your eyes peeled on that. And there's a great chance he spends half his year on a really good team somewhere. So just keep that, that, that does elevate pretty well. And the other guy I'll mention is Justin Upton. I agree with you. I never understand. It happens every year why he just drops. 
and I guess the biggest reason is just because he's boring to people. Like, people play fantasy because they want the exciting factor of life. There's nothing exciting about Justin Upton unless you just, like, consistently getting 30 home runs and, like, a 280 average and, you know, 80 runs, 80 RBIs or more. Like, that sounds pretty cool to me. So, I love Justin Upton. Um, I, I like the fact he falls. If, if you miss out, like, on a Puig or something, it's, it's not going to replace them. But when you can get 30 home run upside with a decent average and other counting stats at that point in the draft, that's the kind of stuff that, that'll win you championships, even though it doesn't look very flashy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like Castellanos a lot where he's going. Um, he's definitely being punished for being on the Tigers. And I also think he's being punished. Tiger Stadium, um, you know, to center and right center is the worst ballpark in in, 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 in baseball. And uh, he's a guy who squares up a lot of balls to center uh, and to right center. And so similar to M- Miggy. Um, he's been punished, I think, uh, for that in a different ballpark. I think that that home run total would be up at least five, if not more, um, uh, from that 25. So I do, I do like him, though, all-around solid contributor. Uh, D. Gordon, you know, again, he's another rabbit. I don't mind uh, the cost. I think it's, it's, it's about appropriate value. Uh, Justin Upton, yeah, I, I, I do not have him on any teams, even though he's fallen this far, like – He's normally a guy I own. I owned him like every year before last year when he was a top 40 pick just because, um, you know, yeah, he's, he's always undervalued. And when you look at the skills, there's no major decline in any of the skills that would explain him falling backwards. And so, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind getting Upton at this particular place, although there are other guys like going later, like Aaron Hicks. Will Myers that, that I kind of like and, and find myself drafting just for the stolen bases. Cause that might be the one area where he's in a little bit of a decline. And then Pollock is a guy that I'm biased against um, because of the injuries. You know, he's hit me a couple times with those injuries. And, and so uh, I'm probably not the best giver of advice on him. The one thing I'd say about him is that with the increase in home run and launch angle, you know, hitting a lot more fly balls, it's definitely is costing him um, in terms of batting average. And so, uh, that is one place that hurts him a little bit. And, you know, the Dodgers are very cautious with their players and they don't give him a ton of plate appearances. And so he may also be hurt by that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, as long as the Padres aren't giving the Dodgers a run for the NL West, um, you know, that, that, that they'll probably uh, give him a couple days off. Um, all right. Let's uh, the next five is super interesting. Um, a lot of talking points uh, here. Uh, so first up, we have Will Myers, uh, outfield and third base eligibility, uh, ADP of 107, uh, $16 valuation at a $14 cost, $2 worth of value for a projection of 581 plate appearances, 74 runs, 24 home runs, 72 RBIs, 18 stolen bases, and a 249 batting average. Um, some, some real nice speed right there. Joey Gallo, a guy who I just love more and more and more, and I just wish he wasn't such a crappy batting average in these overall competitions so I could get him more. Uh, 110 ADP, $20 valuation at a $14 cost. That is good for a $6 value, which is, I believe, tied for second with a couple other guys way down um, for the second most valuable behind your boy, Cole Calhoun. Uh, 613 plate appearances, 88 runs, 42 home runs, 101 RBI, six stolen bases with a 222 batting average. Um, Eloy Jimenez, 119 ADP, $12 valuation, $13 cost, negative $1 value, 543 plate appearances, 
67 runs, 23 home runs, 77 RBI, two stolen bases with a 285 batting average. Uh, the ne- actually, I'm gonna ma- I'm gonna do this a group of six because the next three guys are three guys that I just absolutely love. Aaron Hicks, ADP of 122, $15 valuation, $13 cost, rounds up to a $3 value. 608 plate appearances, 85 runs, 25 home runs, 75 RBI, 11 stolen bases with a 252 batting average. Michael Brantley, 126 ADP, $14 valuation, $12 cost, $2 worth of value, 571 plate appearances, 75 runs, 16 home runs, 71 runs, 11 stolen bases, 289 batting average. And the why the hell is he going this late? Andrew McCutcheon, <laughs> ADP of 135, $17 valuation, $12 cost, $4 worth of value, 666 or 606 plate appearances on the Phillies in the best ballpark of his life. 80 runs, 25 home runs, 77 RBI, 11 stolen bases with a 263 batting average. All right, six super interesting guys. Um, let me, what are your thoughts? Who are some guys that stand out or if all of them stand out, what are your thoughts on these six? I'll just give you a couple here. I know how much you love Joey Gallo. <laughs> I'll let you talk about him. Uh, OBP league, obviously more than yeah. average, but yes, power machine. Eloy Jimenez is awesome. If it wasn't for Vlad Guerrero Jr., everyone would be talking about Eloy Jimenez. And the biggest question again, just like the Blue Jays, the White Sox really could just save money, unfortunately. That's the way this is going to go. But but um, if he's up even middle to end of April, he's going to be a monster. Like, this guy is so good. And he's not just one of those big power hitters only. He hits for average. So, Eloy is a stud. If you want to take the risk, if you plan your draft accordingly and you have backups to fill in, like if you go get a Cole Calhoun or something later on to fill that void, mm. I have no problem holding on to Eloy Jimenez. Great Make point. sure you plan for that because he's not going to be there unless something really weird happens in Chicago. Like somebody really has a, a you know, a, a, I don't know, an epiphany, but it's not going to happen. Um, Aaron Hicks, awesome. Awesome ball player. He does get banged up a lot, so it's a little sketchy, but love him. Michael Brantley, um, I think is amazing. I think this guy's so good. Such a pure hitter. He's a great batting average asset at this point in your draft. That you're, you're like the farther you get in your draft, obviously, batting average is getting harder and harder to find. Brantley is a guy that doesn't do it a lot, but could hit 300, especially in that uh, Houston after lineup. Like he's gonna be really, really good there. A little bit of pop. All the other counting stats outstanding. All right, you hinted at him, <laughs> Andrew McCutcheon. This is ridiculous. I tweeted something out the other day. Uh, I, I, I mentioned some of his stat cast data. I mentioned his ADP value. I had a couple of people slide into my DMs because they didn't want people to know about their TGFBI picks coming up. Um, and they were all just like you were, like, what the hell is going on here? Like, really? What is, I'm like, I get it. That's why I tweeted it out. I don't tweet it for fun. Like, it really stood out. I'm looking at it going, what is going on here? But um, I needed to bring it to the forefront. And people need to realize he's going to be hitting in Citizens Bank Park. Roster Resource has him leading off in front of Gene Segura, then um, Bryce Harper, then Reese Hoskins, then JT Real Muto. The list goes on and on and on. Odubel Herrera, you have just Michael Franco. Guys that all can hit the ball out of the ballpark 25-plus times, if not more. So Andrew McCutcheon is a monster, and he's still not that old. People think he's really old. He's 32 years old, people. Hmm. Like, it's unbelievable how talented he is. He's been in crappy ballparks on crappy teams, yet he produces year after year after year. The X stat numbers show even when his numbers don't look great, he, he got – 
screwed, basically. Like, yeah. his situations are horrible. He hits the ball hard. He does everything you want to do. He still has 15 stolen base upside. He has a t- He's going to hit over 20 home runs in Philadelphia, leading off. There's nothing not – he might score 100 RBIs this year. I might be over-speaking a lot of boundaries here, but the sky is the limit for this man, and you're getting him at – what was it again? Pick 135. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he should be on like pick 100. He should be in that last group or the group before. He should be around Marcelo Zuna. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. When I sort the the um, the spreadsheet by by SGP, he is way up there. I mean, he's like maybe in the, the 70s or early 80s in terms of his overall value. So he's a massive value in the draft, McCutcheon. I mean, a very balanced profile. I mean, the batting average isn't going to be stupendous, but everything else is going to be very solid. And I agree. I mean, if he bats first or second in that Phillies lineup with an OBP close to 400, uh, you know, 380, 375, he is going to score a ton of runs. 100 runs definitely is not uh, out of the equation um, at all. Uh, Joey Gallo, you skipped him for me. I just think, I mean, he is probably the biggest value in the first, he is the biggest value in the first 100 picks because of the batting average that he provides. Now, if you if you are in a standalone league, I think you gotta go out and you gotta get Votto because, or I think Votto, uh, you gotta get you gotta get the Joe other Joey, uh, Joey Gallo, um, because um, I mean the home run total at this point, right? You're getting uh, Stanton home run total. Uh, you're getting he's one of how many players? One, two, three, four, five players that's projected to have more than a hundred. RBI, um, or actually that's, that's only outfielders, but you know, 101 RBI at a pick 110, he's going to chip in a handful of stolen bases. He's going to get runs and you know, he's just like a good Babbitt season away from hitting 230, 240, which would make him just an incredible value. Now I'm not saying to project that, but in a standalone league where there isn't enough of, uh, when there is, where there isn't an overall where balance isn't as important. I think as long as you have some good average guys uh, in your first, you know, five or six hitters, like Joey Gallo is a guy that you should add if, if there's any possibility for doing it, because he's going to make your team um, so much better. And he's actually fairly consistent. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like it because there's a lot of variance, but he's pretty cons- been pretty consistent year to year. Uh, Myers is a guy that I'm actually finding myself with on a lot of teams because I don't like third base that much. And so if I miss out on a lot of third basemen, I find myself, if I need speed, going with Will Myers. And if I need batting average, then going with Justin Turner in this spot. Um, And so I really like uh, Will Myers. He's also a guy, like, if he gets to 600 plate appearances, he's going to seal 20 bases and he's going to hit 25 home runs. And there's very few guys that you can say that about. His his contact rate also increased as last year uh, continued forward. And so that, that gives me some hope. That, that there may actually be a slight improvement in the batting average, which is, you know, his really his only major weakness. <laughs> uh, Eloy, I love what you mentioned about, you know, partnering him with a guy like Cole Calhoun. So when you think about what his valuation is, just think about, okay, you know, when do I think he's going to come up? If it's after the first month, you know, what is the plate appearances? Let's say it's this 543 that, you know, the aggregate projection has him at, which seems relatively reasonable. All right, now add in, you know, 150 to 200 plate appearances for Cole Calhoun into that equation, you know, and what does that look like? You know, that looks more like an 85, 30, uh, 92, 
mm-hmm. five with a you know a little bit worse batting average, like maybe a two eighty batting average. But that is a very good player, right? Uh, at, yep, at that combined good. two pick pick. So I actually had not been thinking about that. So I think that that was a fab, uh, fantastic point you made right there. And then the Hicks Brantley, you know, McCutcheon, we touched on like Brantley, like you said, like the batting average late is very, very hard to come by. He's projected for 289. His ex- expected average last year was like over 320, I think. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, he doesn't miss. He's got the highest end zone contact rate of any player in baseball. And he's now on Houston. And he's probably going to bat like fourth or fifth in that lineup because uh, they don't have sure. many lefties. So that is going to be really valuable. Injuries, obviously a concern, but he has played one healthy season. And then Hicks is a guy in OBP leagues, he's gold. Um, but in, in average leagues, like the batting average is going to hurt you slightly, but you know the, the power is legit. And he has a really nice combo of plate discipline and contact skills, even though the the strikeout rate is, is a little high. It's more of the low Babbitt that gets him. But, um, you know, he's a guy, and that Yankees lineup, when you look at it, just top to bottom, it's like, oh, who's your worst hitter? Like, you know, okay, it's going to be DJ LeMahieu at the beginning of the year. But, like, you know, outside of that, like, Luke Voigt is probably going to hit eighth in that lineup. And I love Luke Voigt, you know? So just nuts. So that's a really nice pocket of value there for outfielders. I find myself getting a lot of outfielders you know, kind of in this range that we've been talking about right here. Um, next up, uh, we are going to do a group of an interesting group of uh, kind of like all over the place guys. I guess that's what I'll call this group. Uh, Ender in Inciarte, uh, ADP of one thirty six, fourteen dollar valuation at a twelve dollar cost, so two dollars worth of value. Six hundred thirty eight plate appearances, seventy six runs. 10 home runs, 59 RBIs, 23 stolen bases with a 277 batting average. You know, with, with the chances looking more and more likely that Acuna is going to bat leadoff, um, you know, in Inciarte's uh, uh, value would definitely be hit by that. Uh, David Peralta, kind of underrated professional hitter, uh, ADP of 138, $12 valuation at a $12 ADP. It rounds up to $1 worth of value, 574 plate appearances, 74 runs, 21 home runs, 71 RBI, five stolen bases with a 280 batting average. Uh, Ian Desmond, really hard guy to pin, pin down. 143 ADP, $10 valuation, $11 pick, negative $1 value, 506 plate appearances, 64 runs, 17 home runs, 63 RBI, 16 stolen bases with a 261 batting average. Billy Hamilton, B-Ham, uh, 100, I was going to say earlier, like, the Royals are like, you know, uh, the the Nationals three of like, you know, Adam Eaton, uh, Victor Robles, and Trey Turner is like the upgraded version of Billy Hamilton, <laughs> Adalberto Mondesi, and Whit Merrifield. I actually love Whit and Adalberto, but, you know, in terms of three speedsters um, on the team. Uh, Beham, uh, $9 valuation, $10 pick, negative $1 value, 546 plate appearances, 64 runs, five home runs, 36 RBI, 40 stolen bases with a 241 batting average. And then finally, Byron Buxton, our favorite guy uh, to talk about in fantasy circles. $6 or $7 valuation, $10 pick. He's even, even in the projections, he's a negative four uh, value. <laughs> 494 plate appearances, 61 runs, 15 home runs, 51 RBI, 19 stolen bases with a 241 batting average. All right. Five mostly speedsters, 
a, one guy who can hit the ball. Um, you know, yeah, what are much. what are your thoughts on this group of guys? This is the uh, I'm desperate and I screwed up and didn't draft stolen bases <laughs> earlier group. That, that's pretty yeah, much right? what this is because it's like Indian Ciarte is great, but there's already rumors of him batting like seven. Yeah. So his value just goes out the window. Um, David Peralta, he had an amazing season last year. Who's to say he can't do it this year? I don't know. But no Paul Goldschmidt can't help, really can't. So um, I'll probably pass, might get that one wrong. Ian Desmond, he hits the ball under the ground almost as much as Eric Cosmer. <laughs> so that's not good. I don't, and you know, in Coors Field, if you ever want to elevate a ball, you might want to try it there. So, you know, he's really good at, like, he can cover all stats if he's not grounding out all the time. And then um, Byron Bucks is the, the fun one. Billy Hamilton, I want nothing to do with uh, kind of echo your sentiments. It's, it's great. It's fine. It's dandy. But my old saying with him, it's like Major League Willie Mays Hayes. You, you got to get on base. You, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't steal first base. So the old saying, you might run like Mays, but you hit like, so that's, uh, that's Byron, <laughs> or Billy Hamilton. But uh, Byron Buxton, the guy that everyone wants to have. I won't own him this year. I will not own him this year. I've fallen for the trap a couple of years ago and the year before that, the year before that, probably in dynasty leagues. I, um, I won't do it. It's fun. He came in looking big. He's like, okay, it's perfect that Hamilton and Buxton are next to each other because it is, it's Major League One and Major League Two versions of Willie Mays Hayes. He bulked up for season two or movie two, and that's what Byron Buxton did this year. So he's going to try to steal the ball. He put on 25 pounds of muscle. He's hitting home runs all over the place in the spring. His value is going up on ADP boards, and I'll just watch it keep going up and let other people draft it. So the moral of the story with all that, I probably won't have anybody in this group. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in a similar, similar position. I don't have any Inciarte. Peralta. I think I may have one share of Peralta because I needed Peralta's the only guy I would consider. Yeah. Like I could see. I think I got him though because I was a little down on batting average. And and that's the one thing I think he can contribute. I mean, he I think he's a good good hitter, but I agree the situation isn't ideal. Um, you know, and I do think that he overperformed a little bit last year. Uh yeah, Desmond and Hamilton are passes for me. Buxton is a pass for me too. It's so it's so fascinating that um you know, that he's now he's shooting up charts again, like ADP of 157. Now I'm sure it's going to be pushed up even more with the spring training that he's having. Like what a, what a just fascinating uh, study he is. Um, you know, so that's about as far as I can go, but I agree with you. I outside of maybe a share or two of Peralta, I won't, won't own any guys in this group. All right. We are cruising along. We are at an ADP of, oh, of, over one, we're going to be into the 180 range soon, Bubba. We may, we may get these 90 outfielders down. I don't know. I, I don't even want to look at like uh, moving forward. But uh, let's see. Nomar Mazzara is the next guy. Uh, uh, ADP of 158, $14 valuation, $10 pick, $4 worth of value. So a nice little pocket of value there. 619 plate appearances, 75 runs, 25 home runs, 85 RBI, two stolen bases, with a 270 batting average. It's interesting. The projection isn't that good, but he's the, but you know, it doesn't look that good, but you know, the valuation is there. Uh, Steven Piscotti is up next, uh, ADP of 160, $12 valuation, $10 pick, uh, $2 worth of value, 609 plate appearances, 76 runs, 23 home runs, 77 RBI, four stolen bases with a 261 batting average. Austin Meadows, an intriguing guy for the Rays, 178, an ADP of 178, $10 valuation, $9 pick, $0 value rounding up to, uh, it rounds up to a, a $0 value, 508 plate appearances, 
61 runs, 16 home runs, 62 RBI, 14 stolen bases with a 266 batting average. Harrison Bader at an ADP of 180. $8 valuation, $9 pick, losing you $1. 555 plate appearances, 65 runs, 17 home runs, 60 RBI, 15 stolen bases with a 244 batting average. And then we'll add Harrison or we'll add Brandon Nimmo. Uh, is it Nemo or Nimmo? I call him Nemo, but it's probably Nemo. Okay. I, I call him Nemo just because it's more fun for me that way. For sure. It's probably Nemo. Yeah, I don't even I don't even I don't even know. I should I should know that. Uh, ADP of 182, $8 valuation with a $9 ADP, negative uh, $1 value. Bubba, don't get upset at that. Uh, six, no, it's fine. 600, I understand. 618 uh, played appearances, 79 runs, 18 home runs, 58 RBI, nine stolen bases with a 246 batting average. Now, you mentioned earlier on that you love uh, Brandon uh, Nemo. Uh, let me know uh, why it is. What it, where is that love coming from? It's just a combination of where you're getting them at in this draft. You know, you mentioned ADP of 182. We just passed a slew of guys I want nothing to do with, but I'll take guys like Brandon Nimmo. Um, his hard hit rate, it's uh, 75th percentile. His sprint speed's 85th percentile. He's got a great X well, a great X of velocity. Um, in his first full season, when he really wasn't supposed to be that guy, he was supposed to fill in for Conforto. He kept the job. He hit 17 homers, nine stolen bases. Um, th- there's a lot to like as he keeps getting better and better. And, more developed again, 25 years old, super young. He had a 42% hard hit rate. He walked 15% of the time, which for a young player stands out big time for me. And the other thing is, is, is due to that walk rate, he had a 404 OBP. That was top five in all of baseball last year. And I know we're not talking OBP dress specifically, but if you give me a guy at that age leading off, he's going to get on base that much. His run production, he had 77 runs last year. They're going to be better this year with a healthy Conforto, with a healthy Rob, or with Robinson Cano, with Wilson Ramos. Brandon Nimmo is going to have a big, big year if he stays in that leadoff spot like he's supposed to be. Um, I could see 10-plus stolen bases. You know, his home runs, he might get up to 20. But most importantly, at this point in the draft, you're going to get some serious run production that you might not get at other places as you keep going down the sport. So I really, really like where Brandon Nimmo is going right there. Um, Harrison Bader, don't mind him. He's kind of, if he wants stolen bases, he's there. I'm skeptical on that whole outfield situation outside of Ozuna because Fowler shouldn't be playing. Jose Martinez needs to play. Harrison Bader should be there. They have Tyler O'Neill. It's, it's a typical Cardinal season where they have a million players and only so many positions. He should be the guy unless he doesn't mean wrong, but that's up and, to you. And how many Cardinals outfielders are ahead of these guys? Uh, you know, yeah. like you got Steven Piscotty right above that. Although obviously there was a family situation there and it was actually nice of the Cardinals to, kind of facilitate that trade, but you have him, you got uh, Tommy Pham up there too. So yeah, um, yeah definitely. Slew. Yeah. What about, what about the other four guys in that group? Anybody else uh, stand out or uh, that you're fading? Austin Meadows is fun. I think he could, he's kind of boomer bust. We haven't really seen it. We've hoped for it. Um, I love Nomar Mazar and Steve Piscotti, not as much as Nimmo probably, but if you need power, Mazzaro's got three straight 20 home run seasons and he's still only 25 years old in that ballpark. Give me no more Mazzaro. One of these years, he's really going to explode for a 30 home run season. And then Piscotti, once, uh, sadly, I don't want to, you don't want to use this for a reason, but you have to imagine his mom's illness weighed so much on him. Um, and once, once she passed, he, you know, he hit the home run for her on his first game back and all that stuff. Um, he had a really, really good season, like a really, really good season. And I think this year he might take that next step forward because, you know, clear conscious, still kind of back at home with family and friends. I really like this guy at that point in the draft. So these are kind of the guys like 
Um, if, if you miss out on some big guys and you decide to take pitching in the middle or other stuff, like a Mazzara, a Piscotti, I got no problem with them being like your second or third or third or fourth outfielder in a five outfield league. Nice. Um, yeah. So, so for me, you know, this group is kind of, is a little iffy, like Mazzara, for some reason, I'm just not interested in him. I mean, maybe it's just that he hasn't taken that step forward. And I know that progression isn't linear or development isn't linear for players. And that projection looks nice, you know, where you're getting him. I also find myself to be targeting a lot of uh, relief pitchers and starting pitchers at this point in the draft. So that may also be it. Like I have a pretty consistent pattern of that. Uh, Piscotti, I agree. I think he's a, he's a really good hitter. Um, and that A's lineup is solid. I think he, you know, he got better as the year went along last year. And I think he could be really nice there. Meadows. The only thing that concerns me with Meadows is that I think he's going to be platooned against lefties. Um, and so yeah. if that's the case, that's obviously going to limit the plate appearances, but that's also in the proje- the projection that you're seeing. Um, and I prefer him to Harrison Bader. I think Bader got off to a really good start, but I think um, he's got some pretty big contact issues. And I think, you know, the projections agree that's going to send that batting average uh, down, down, down. Uh, and then Nimmo, I also like him a lot. As you mentioned, in OBP leagues, he's gold. Um, he's one of those guys who, like, never goes as high as he should in OBP leagues just because he goes so much lower in average drafts, I feel like. And so he's definitely a guy um, who I think is, is, a nice, is a nice guy to target right here. All right. Um, the next group of guys is, is a super interesting one um, as well. Uh, Ramon Laureano, uh, Steven Piscotti's teammate. Uh, ADP of 183, $7 valuation, $9 pick, losing $2 of value, 511 plate appearances, 63 runs, 15 home runs, 53 RBI, 16 stolen bases, and a 249 batting average. Hunter Renfro right now is the worst value among uh, pretty much any player I've seen in the top 300 picks maybe. Uh, ADP of 189, a $2 valuation at a $9 cost. He's losing you $7 within the first 200 picks. Um, 382 plate appearances, 47 runs, 21 home runs, 58 RBI, two stolen bases with a 251 batting average. Obviously, a lot of that is the projection uh, of only 382 plate appearances. And if that changes um, dramatically, then he'll obviously uh, shoot up in value. Uh, Ryan Braun, uh, to me, one of the more undervalued players, uh, uh, 192 ADP, $12 valuation, $8 cost, $4 value, 503 plate appearances, 66 runs, 21 home runs, 69 RBI, 12 stolen bases with a 266 batting average. Corey Dickerson at 192 as well, $9 valuation, $8 ADP, uh, $1 value. I will not say anything bad about Corey Dickerson for our friend, Nancy. Um, 529 plate appearances, 65 runs, 18 home runs, 67 RBI, five stolen bases with a 278 batting average. And then we are going to also include Jesse Winker in here, ADP of 203, $8 valuation, $8 uh, pick, $0 or neutral value, 560 plate appearances. 70 runs, 16 home runs, 67 RBI, two stolen bases, and a 283 batting average. All right, in this group of five, uh, who are you, who do you like? Who are you fading? Um, I, I'm glad you mentioned Ryan Braun. He has a, a value because he's a crazy value. I, I don't understand. It's not quite Justin Upton falling, but I don't get it when you're going to get 20 to 25 homers, 270-plus average, great counting stats. At this point in the draft, I absolutely love him. I'm targeting him in a lot of places. 
uh, one of my favorite values at this point in the draft. So give me all the Ryan Braun. No problem with that at all. Um, Corey Dickerson, very, very interesting player. Um, he doesn't really ever make it onto my teams, but solid average, a little bit of pop if you want to go that direction. Jesse Winker is the interesting one to me because all the peripheral stats love him. You know, you, you listen to the, the StatCast podcast and they compare his, his approach and all that to Joey Votto. Like, there's some really interesting deals with Jesse Winker. But then again, is playing time going to be there? That's a concern in Cincinnati. Uh, other than that, Renfro, I love – but I think what your values are showing there, and it's the same confusion I have, is projection sites hate the Padres outfield because they don't know, just like us, who's going to play. Like everyone there except I think it's Franchi or Fran, no, one of the two, has decent projections. Everybody else seems to get just hated on, and it's tough to tell. But uh, that's kind of where I'm at with those. Lariano, he's good if you need steals, but he's kind of like Harrison Bader to me. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Ryan Braun, I love at that at that cost. I just think it's value all day. I'm actually like upset at myself because I only have like one or two shares of Ryan Braun, and I'm like, why do I only have one or two shares of Ryan ba- Braun, who has a twelve dollar valuation, you know, at f- only five hundred three plate appearances? So that it, the injuries are built in, and he's getting you twenty one and twelve, like. And I think that yeah. batting average is low. He actually had one of the biggest discrepancies between his expected average and his actual Big average time. last year. Um, and so the quality of contact is working. And, you know, you never know what to take with a grain of salt, but he also was working on increasing his launch angle because he is a high ground ball guy. Um, so that's also uh, adds a little bit of intrigue there. Uh, Renfro, I agree. Like the San Diego outfield, I am just staying away. I understand that, like, the confusion may create some value opportunities on a guy like Fran Mil Reyes, who I accidentally auto drafted in one of my draft champions um, is the only reason why I have him on his team. I actually like him a lot, but the, the knee injury worries me a little bit there um, with him, the meniscus. Um, but um, I'm just staying away. And Renfro is really like a one category guy in terms of like hitting for a ton of power, but is he going to get the plate appearances to drive up those counting stats? You know, the average is going to be pretty low. He doesn't have much speed. I don't think he's very good defensively. I think he has a really good arm, but he's not particularly good defensively. So, um, you know, just too many questions and too many other values going right here. Um, Winker is a guy that I, that I absolutely love. I don't have any shares yet because I'm, like, so risk-adverse in drafts that I'm worried about, like, spending this level of a pick on some guy who's not going to play. But I think all indications are that he's going to be uh, a starter there. And the approach is just absolutely fantastic. Like he was a guy last year who, you know, after the early struggles, I was taking a look at the skills and I'm always looking at like 15 day rolling averages. And he was at like 16% O swing, like best in the league. His Z contact was at like 92. He was hitting the ball hard and it was just a matter of time. And he really was going crazy before his injury. And And the only thing that was lacking was power. And with that shoulder fixed, um, I think he had a home run in his first spring training game. That doesn't mean yep. anything, but you know, maybe it's just like a, maybe it's symbolic of his shoulder being healthy and, and that power returning. So uh, a couple guys that I really like um, that are going here. I agree. Like Loriano has got an interesting speed power combo. He's in a good lineup. He looks to be the starter there. So he may be some value, but for some reason I'm just not as, uh, as attracted to him as a player. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, next uh, five is also going to be super interesting um, and includes somebody that I absolutely love as well. Uh, Adam Eaton, 
Outfielder, uh, obviously, we're doing an outfielder preview just for those of you who are tuning in right now. Uh, ADP of 208, uh, $9 valuation, $8 cost, $1 worth of value, 565 plate appearances, 77 runs, 10 home runs, 53 RBI, 11 stolen bases with a 284 uh, batting average. Kyle Schwarber, the antithesis of Adam Eaton, $12 valuation, $8 cost, $4 worth of value, 555 plate appearances, 74 runs. Uh, 29 home runs, 79 RBI, four stolen bases with a 239 batting average. Jake Bowers, ADP yeah, of 220, $12 valuation, $7 cost. It's only it, it it's an amazing $5 worth of value, but it feels like so much more. Uh, five, how do you put a price on half? How do you Toby? exactly, <laughs> Bubba? I love that. <laughs> Uh, yes, Jake Bowers is my happiness. 598 plate appearances, 75 runs, uh, 19 home runs, 73 RBI, 13 stolen bases with a 247 batting average. JBJ, Jackie Bradley Jr., 222 ADP and flying up the draft boards. $10 valuation at a $7 cost, $3 worth of value, 572 plate appearances, 74 runs, 18 home runs, 69 RBI, and 12 stolen bases with a 245. Batting average, Chris ta- Chris can't make contact with anything Taylor. ADP of 223, $8 valuation, $7 cost, $1 worth of value, 587 plate appearances, 73 runs, 16 home runs, 62 RBIs, 11 stolen bases with a 252 batting average. And just because we talked about him already, let's throw Fran Mil Reyes into the, into the thing. Let's make it a six, six grouping. Uh, 230 ADP, $10 valuation. I think this is the guy that you were mentioning that, that they don't uh, dislike the playing time on. Seven, yeah, 555, yeah. Yeah, $7 uh, pick, so $3 worth of value. 555 plate appearances, 67 runs, 26 home runs, 77 RBIs, a stolen base, and a 254 batting average. All right, a really interesting group of three with, uh, with all with very different skill sets. Um, who do you like? Who are you fading? I'll do this quick. No Adam Eaton. Um, Kyle Schwarber, I'm going to keep watching just because like that hit tool's there. We've seen it. He just needs to find it again. I know it sounds simple, but that power upside's tremendous. And I think a 239 average is kind of low if he figures it out again. I think he's probably like a 260 type hitter. So he's very interesting. He's a guy, if you want to take a risk at this point in the draft, I could definitely uh, get behind. Uh, Jake Bowers. Ooh, Jake Bowers. I will leave that for you. Um, <laughs> But uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, him going up the board does not make me excited. But there's a lot to like here. I know he, he bats towards the bottom of the Boston lineup, but like you were talking about with the Yankees earlier, there's still a lot to like when it comes to that. Um, his peripherals just keep jumping off the board each year. He had a humongous second half last year. We've seen it before, so maybe he does it again. Maybe he lets us down to start the first half. I don't know. He's a guy I'm willing to take a chance on, though. Um, I really like that that power-speed combo with all those runs getting scored there. Um, it's a really balanced profile for pick 222. And I think that's something that he can help you out in almost every category. The average is a little rough, but if he can just improve that a bit, everything else is there. He could have a 20-home run season. So lots to like there with JBJ. Uh, Chris Taylor, no. I'll take Kiki Hernandez about 100 picks later. Mm, um, love it. And Fran Mill Reyes. I, I love this Padres outfield, but I have no clue what they're going to do, and it's bugging the crap out of me. So that's kind of how I look at them. Out of that group, I love JBG. With you on Jake Bowers, I'll let you explain it. 
And then if we could ever get anything out of the Potters outfield, then I'd have a better answer for you there. Nice. Yeah. So for me, I actually like Adam Eaton this year. Um, I think, you know, uh, obviously he struggled uh, for a year and a half with, um, with the injuries, but I do think that if you need batting average late, he's a guy you can get. And I think he's going to get you double digits of um, home runs and stolen bases. Um, And so I think that that is really nice. And the OBP is going to be high. I think he's going to score a ton of runs. Um, And yes, like, you know, the, the injury happened, but you know, he's getting further away from that. And, you know, even this, uh, this projection has him at a 565 plate appearances. So pretty reasonable. And he's still getting you that $9 worth of value. Um, so I, I, I like him. Schwarber is a fade for me in average leagues just because it's like, it's almost like dra- drafting Joey Gallo, except without so many home runs, RBIs, and runs. Um, you know, the, the batting average is going to hurt you too much. In OBP leagues, he's good. You know, one thing in OBP leagues that kind of stuck out to me is uh, Sammy Reed was talking about this. In daily leagues where you have OBP, if you get Schwarber and Zobrist and kind of combine them, uh, since they tend to uh, be part of a platoon together, like that could be a really powerful single player with the two of those combined. So I'll just throw that out there. Another shout out to um, Sammy, who um, who did that uh, during our barf draft, actually. Um, I'll skip G- uh, Bowers for the time being. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., love him as well. I think you're right on with everything you said. There was a super interesting article recently where where he was saying that like everything he'd ever been taught in baseball was wrong, was wrong. about hitting and how he realized that like the did middle you, of last year. Did you read who taught him? Who, how was to hit it J.D.? Him? Yes. Yeah. He's going to be the greatest hitting coach that ever lives once he <laughs> finishes playing baseball. He, you know how many guys he's already helped? He's only been doing this for like five or six years. Oh, yeah. I mean – um, that, that to me stands out like that to me yep. is an incredible, it's just like, he's going to have that, he's going to have that big jump one year and you're like, Oh, why wasn't I on him? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, and this is what I love so much about like analytics and like the new way the game is being played. So in one hand you have JBJ saying that, right. And then on the other hand, you have Taylor Rogers of the twins who they just added like the, um, Edstronic and Rapsodo, um, uh, uh, machines like the Edgetronic camera and the Rapsodo. I, I think it's called a machine, whatever, like uh, that does the spin rates. The Rapsodo, I think, does spin rates. And the Edgetronic is like the slow-mo um, camera that they put behind the pitchers. Um, I may be messing that up. So somebody correct me on Twitter if I am. But Taylor Rogers was saying, I've learned more in like in the last like like uh, couple months with these um, with these cameras and with this equipment as I did in like my last like my entire career in major league baseball um, because the data is just so overwhelming and so compelling now. Like I think that that, that those two quotes, like when you put them side by side, like that, it was what's so fascinating about baseball right now. Well, that's another guy with that rap Soto deal is Luke Weaver with the D backs. He said he, he got one this off season and he realized so many things he was doing wrong when he was with St. Louis. Really? Yeah. So he's, it, that, that got my attention. I know this was an, oh, I didn't want to take it so much. But that got my attention yeah. when I saw that. Now so, I got to be into yeah. Luke Weaver. Uh, yeah, that's the scary part. I I almost drafted him the other day, but yes. as you were, sorry. No, but no, it, no. It, the, the the point is, there's a lot of that going on that I wish we knew more of because there's gonna be so many guys that jump off the page this year. I go, how did I miss this? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and then next, uh, uh, Taylor. I, I've talked about it before. His contact issues in the second half really concern me. I'm a to- totally out on Taylor. I think he may lose 
his starting job to Kike um, Hernandez because I, I think so. Kike showed some really fantastic skills last year. Um, and so uh, that, that works well. I do like Fran Mil Reyes. If I knew he was getting played appearances, I'd love him. Um, the, the knee injury worries me a little bit. He's terrible in the outfield. Like just watching him play outfield um, is just a terrible experience. Um, uh, so, you know, that, that gives, raises some concerns for me. Uh, Jake Bowers, I've talked about him endlessly on the podcast and on Twitter. The things I love about him, I think the, the Indians lineup is not as good as it looks. I think he's going to be batting in the middle of that lineup, probably fifth. I think he's going to play every day um, in that lineup because that outfield is pretty weak. Um, he's easily their best outfielder um, right now. And, uh, and so that is, those are all good things. Um, he has a history in the minors of making a decent amount of contact, a lower than league average strikeout rate. And he had a higher strikeout rate. Contact was the only thing that he really struggled with last year. The K percentage was high. Um, but he had really good plate discipline. He was right around the 24, 25% on the O swing. Uh, the contact was around 80%. So not terrible, but it needs to get up at least to league average for him. But he also hit more fly balls than he did in the minor leagues. And he's moving from Tampa Bay, which is not a good hitters park, to Cleveland, which is one of the better home run parks, particularly for lefties. They have a history of turning, you know, uh, hitters with, with decent pedigree, uh, d- decent hit tools or good hit tools, uh, but not very much power and teaching them or either that or Jose Martinez and Lindor are just unique talents <laughs> and pulling the ball hard in the air. And he already does that a lot. And so I think yep. it's going to translate really well. The average is the only question mark for me. And the stolen base percentage is not great, uh, but I do think he can get double digits there, you know, and I do think, you know, he can, he can hit over 20 home runs and the counting stats will be um, pretty good there. So I obviously love him. Now, Bubba, I need your help right now. I am up in my draft champions league at pick 147. I'm thinking about going with Buster Posey as my catcher. How has he looked so far in spring training? Have you heard anything or is he even playing? He hasn't played yet. He's supposed to start playing early next week, which is good because originally when he had his hip surgery, he was supposed to be out possibly the first month. Okay. Now he's, now he's projected to be their opening day. I think, again, not a catcher's pod, but I think he's a steal at where he's going, specifically for the fact that you're getting a catcher that it's not going to hurt your batting average, which you yeah. can't find outside of like JT Real Muto. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> and that's what I need right now on this team um, is, uh, is Buster Posey. So I'm going to draft him right here. Uh, a Bubba supported pick. It's it's my first share of him too. I didn't want more. I've never owned it. I've never owned him in my life. Really? Wow. Because I don't take it. I, well, again, like I said earlier, last year is the first two catchers league I've been in. So one catcher's leagues, I was never paying early for one. So I never got posing. Yeah. (laughs) Never. Which is a good strategy. Yeah. I I love (laughs) this team right now. Let me, let me, um, let me uh, tell you what this team is. All right, Bubba. Let me, let me tell you about this team that I got so far in so this is the team that I just drafted Buster Posey on. Started out with Trey Turner at number four. Wanted a Trey Turner share and also loved the speed. Wanted to see what having that, having that high speed does for me uh, later on in the draft. Followed that up with Bauer and Carrasco at 2-3 turn. Tommy Pham after that in the fourth round. Yasiel Puig in the fifth. Michael Conforto in the sixth. Oh, man. Nelson Cruz in the seventh. Justin Turner in the eighth, Kirby Yates in the ninth. He fell pretty far. Yeah, that's a big fall and for then, him. And then and then Posey um, at the uh, in round ten. I love it. So yeah, I'm I'm super pleased 
super pleased with the start. So well, it should be. What you yeah. what you what you just showed there was the thing we talked about at the beginning of the pod. You drafted two aces, yep. and you didn't have to worry about it. And all those bats that you got to take instead of having to pass up for like a James Paxton or a Jamison Tyon, you didn't have to worry about it anymore. And that just changes everything to me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And 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 it's interesting. Like you know, I was hoping that actually that you Darvish was going to fall to me at this spot because Darvish is a guy I like a lot. Obviously, he struggles with injuries. But where he's going in the draft and the potential upside, um, you know, and he just reported, you know, again, like spring training with a grain of salt. But, you know, his velo was up at 97, he said, which is the hardest he's ever thrown in his life. And so that gives me, you know, a decent bit of confidence in the health. And and so uh, but he went he went much earlier, actually. And I think he's going to start pushing up draft boards, especially with injuries to guy like. guys like Andrew Heaney, like raising some, some additional question marks. So, um, yeah. All right. Uh, so now that we've taken a little bit of a detour, uh, over to my fantasy team, thank you for your help in making that draft selection. By the time we're done with this, I may have may, uh, be making at least one other uh, draft pick there. We're four away. So we'll see what happens. Um, but next up, uh, is a group, uh, with, um, starting with Marwin Gonzalez, uh, uh, ADP of 230. He's got outfield eligibility, but you're probably starting him at first, second, uh, or shortstop. I think that's where he has eligibility right now, maybe even third base. $6 valuation at a $7 cost. Uh, rounds up to, uh, to a neutral value. 549 plate appearances, 63 runs, 17 home runs, 66 RBIs, 6 stolen bases with a 260 batting average. Uh, next up, a guy I absolutely love as well, second to Jake Bowers, is Max Kepler. Um, an ADP of uh, 231, a valuation of $10. You may hear Alexa talking to me in the background. Uh, uh, $10 valuation with a $7 cost, a $4 value rounds up to 600 plate appearances, 75 runs, 21 home runs, 72 RBI, seven stolen bases with a 251 batting average. Trey Mancini, a guy I know you like a lot at where he's going. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on him. 239 ADP, $9 valuation, $6 cost, $3 worth of value, 611 plate appearances, 69 runs, 23 home runs, 73 RBI, one stolen base, and a 261 batting average. Jose Martinez, ADP of 240, $2 value, $6 ADP, losing you $4. That's because of a 429 plate appearance projection, 52 runs. 13 home runs, 54 RBI, two stolen bases with a 288 batting average. And then Domingo Santana, actually, I'll do two guys. Uh, We'll do six in this group again. Domingo Santana, ADP of 241, uh, $7 valuation, $6 cost, $1 worth of value, projection of 557 plate appearances, 65 runs, 20 home runs, 65 RBI, seven stolen bases with a 244 batting average. And another guy I love, Randall Grichuk, uh, 242 uh, ADP, $11 valuation, $6 cost, $5 worth of value, 541 plate appearances, 69 runs, 29 home runs, 78 RBI, five stolen bases, and a 241 batting average. All right, of those six guys, um, who are your favorites? Are there any that you are not drafted? This is an awesome, awesome area. Like, I really, really like this. It's a good middle – you know, third or fourth outfield tier for your your fantasy teams. 
Um, Marwin Gonzalez and Jose Martinez also put out there right now. I love their hit tools. I don't like their playing time situation. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez, I'm just really confused. I, I love the guy. He went to one of the few teams I thought just didn't make sense. I mm-hmm. didn't get it. Uh, with the Miguel Sano injury, that could help. That could also help Williams Astadio. Who knows? But, um, you know, they, they could be great, but the playing time's just not strictly there. Jose Martinez needs to be a DH somewhere. All right. Max Kepler. See, I think your Alexa went off because you said Kepler and Bowers at the same time. So, like, your lights dimmed, your fire went on, and the music started. So, that, that's what I assumed happened. Um, so, you heard the magic words. Yes. Um, but, but um, yeah, when it, when, when it comes to Max Kepler, there's nothing that's not liked about this guy. Um, people need to remember he's from Germany. He didn't pick up playing baseball until less than a decade ago. He's, he's really, if you think about it that way, he is just – like blossoming at, a, at an outrageous rate. Um, the power is so legit. It keeps getting better and better. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see closer to 25 home runs this year. The average is going to the, the, the bat to ball skills are getting better and better. The part that I'm really intrigued by is we saw the walk rate increase. We saw the strikeout rate decrease. What we haven't seen since 2015 is him steal a lot. And when you look at Statcast, his sprint speed is ridiculous. With Rocco Baldelli as the manager, a guy with Tampa Bay that likes to manufacture runs by using speed and whatnot. I'm curious to see how he uses a guy like Max Kepler. Does he run more? Um, if you can get 10-plus stolen bases on top of this, you're getting an insane value. So I think there's a lot to like there with Max Kepler. Uh, Trey Mancini, I wrote about him the other day as a value, kind of at first base and a guest in the outfield as well. I love the potential for 25 to 30 home runs at this point in the draft. Um, a lot to like there. And the biggest thing is his average. You know, he's 242 last year. But it was a 285 ISO or a Babbitt. I'm sure his Babbitt was 352 and 217, but he had a 293 average. And then prior to that, in uh, 2016, he had a anywhere from a 280 to a 357. And the mi- pretty much all throughout the minors, he's like a 300 or better hitter. So last year was a gigantic drop off. Um, everything else looked pretty good. The Babbitt was bad. He was hitting a lot of ground balls, but the hard hit rates and uh, you know the exit velo and all that stuff you're looking at that that didn't change enough to make you kind of get scared. So I think there's a lot to like there. He's still going to be hitting in the middle of that Baltimore Oriole, a great, uh, great ballpark to hit in. Uh, Trumbull's behind him still VR in front of him. There are weapons there on a really bad baseball team. So uh, at this point in the draft, I like him uh, without going on too much more of a tangent. Domingo Santana, I call him the mini Nelson Cruz in, um, in Seattle. Uh, I think he's in for a big, big year. The fact that he's getting drafted around 241 right now, people are agreeing with that because before he got traded, he was not even getting drafted. So, uh, keep that in mind, but he's a great play. And then Randall Grichik, man, goodness. This is a guy that I picked 242 that could hit you 30-plus home runs. You don't get that. And I keep emphasizing these guys with big power at this point in the draft because if you are drafting speed guys or you are drafting extra pitchers or whatever, you need home runs, and this is where you can get it so cheap. And it, it's, it's why if you do your research, you can kind of make a game plan for your draft. And if you know, like I said earlier, I went and took VR, I took Robles, and I took – Ahmed Rosario and sure they'll get you a little bit, but they're not the big boppers. It's because I come to this point in the draft, I went and got Max Kepler. I had Trey Mancini. I wanted Randall Grishik. And if you get just like two of those guys right there, there's a potential for 50 home runs on two players. Um, and, and that's just, just a big, big boost to your team. So I really like this range, as you can tell. Um, if I had to narrow it down for you, give me Max Kepler out of the whole group, followed by some Trey Mancini, some Grishik, and some Santana. Nice. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a nice group. Um, yeah, the Snow injury is interesting because of the implications for Gonzalez. If he becomes that starting third baseman, that that may make him a little bit more interesting, though I'm not 
totally sold um, on the underlying skills. Um, Kepler, I absolutely love for the reasons that you articulated. Uh, his BABIP was very low, and he definitely has some launch angles to work through. His launch angle was just too yep. high last year, um, so he hit too many pop-ups versus kind of like nice uh, fly balls or hard drives as they'd categorize them at xstats.org. Um, and so um, if he can get that launch angle down a little bit, I hadn't looked at that sprint speed, so that's also super interesting to me, um, the potential for a little bit of speed added to that, because that's kind of been the separator for me between him and Bowers, um, has been uh, Bowers' speed. Um, so that could be really, really interesting. Agree with you that Mancini, who's falling a lot in drafts, I think he's down like 30 spots. Yeah, when I wrote that article, he dropped in the last, like every each month in NFBC from December, January, February, he's been dropping in each month. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and he had, a, as you mentioned, like excellent barrel rate. You know, when he hits the ball in the air, he's got, he hits too many ground balls. And when he hits it in the air, he hits it with authority. And, and guys like that have been successful, right? You know, that's that's kind of, He's not Christian Yelich, but Christian Yelich has been successful with that. Juan Soto has been successful with that. And he's been pretty consistent uh, in that regard. Jose Martinez, I love, but God, the playing time. It's just like, I know draft skills and all that jazz, but when it's tough when you have like guys like Kepler and Mancini exactly. and Grichuk around them that do have a guaranteed playing time. I just don't know if it's enough of a separator for Martinez. Um, the batting average, though, is like, God, it could be so helpful if you were able to get 600 plate appearances again. Um, uh, Santana, I agree. Really intriguing guy just because of the the speed power combo. It's very easy to forget that, you know, like two years ago he had 30 plus home runs and 15 stolen bases. Like that's mm-hmm. insane with a good batting average. Like that's nuts. And he, he has a history of crushing the ball. So we'll see with full-time playing time, I think, He'll definitely return value on um, on the on the place that he's going. And Grichuk, I think, also is just a huge steal right here. Twenty nine home runs and five hundred forty one plate appearances. I think he's going to play a ton um, in the outfield for the Jays. Like he is a part of their future, and he's very good defensively. And so I don't see why he wouldn't. The batting average is the only concern, but he had a, a an increase in his in uh, zone contact rate uh, last year after. Um, you know, he returned from injury earlier on in the season and he was, he was on fire. So if he could just hit 250, I mean, it would be golden. So uh, a group of guys I really like as well. And, and especially Kapler and Gritchek are the guys that stand out uh, for me in this group. All right. We're going to switch it up a little bit now that we've kind of covered like the guys that we absolutely love. Um, we're going to go to larger groups of, of 10 folks just to make sure that you know, this is an epically long preview podcast, and I'm having a blast, but I also want to be respectful of your time and the listeners' time. So uh, let's go to, like, groups of 10 and then just pick out a couple guys um, of okay. the ones that I cover that you like. Uh, so the first group, Gregory Polanco, ADP of 250 uh, $2 valuation, $6 cost. That's losing you $4 worth of value, but like Eloy Jimenez, I'm assuming you're backfilling him with somebody since he's – He's out for a little while. Um, 391. Yeah, you do. 391 plate appearances, 47 runs, 15 home runs, 60 or 51 RBI, eight stolen bases with a 256 batting average. And he was definitely heating up uh, uh, before he got injured last year. Odebel Herrera, $11 valuation at a 263 ADP, which is a $5 cost. That's $6 worth of value there. 598 plate appearances, 69 runs, 18 home runs, 70 RBIs, 
eight stolen bases with a 268 batting average. Jay Bruce, first base and outfield, 265 ADP, $0 worth of value. Uh, uh, $5 <laughs> cost, that's losing you $5, but only 436 plate appearances he's projected for. 50 runs, 18 home runs, 58 RBI, two stolen bases with a 236 batting average. Ian Happ, also of the Chris Taylor school for the not making contact. Uh, he has an AEP of 266, $4 valuation, $5 cost. He's losing you $1. 465 plate appearances, 59 runs, 19 home runs, 58 RBI, eight stolen bases with a 235 batting average. Shin Su Chu. Uh, ADP of 272, $8 valuation. He always seems to bring value and never seems to move up in drafts. $5 ADP, uh, $3 worth of value there. 560 plate appearances, 74 runs, 18 home runs, 59 RBI, six stolen bases with a 258 average and batting leadoff for the Rangers. Manuel Margot, 276 ADP, $5 valuation, $4 cost. Rounds down to a neutral value, 504 plate appearances, 56 runs, 11 home runs, 50 RBI, 15 stolen bases with a 260 batting average. Cedric Mullins, 277 ADP, $5 valuation, $4 cost, $1 value, 551 plate appearances, 64 runs, 13 home runs, 50 RBI, 13 stolen bases with a 251 batting average. Kevin Pilar, ADP of 282, $8 valuation, $4 cost. $4 value, 558 plate appearances, 63 runs, 14 home runs, 59 RBI, 13 stolen bases with a 260 batting average. Kyle Tucker, 282 ADP, a negative $8 value, $4 cost. He's losing you $12 valuation, but that's a 227 wow. plate appearance projection. 28 runs, 8 home runs, 28 RBI, 5 stolen bases with a 253 batting average. Brian Anderson, 294 ADP, $3 value, uh, $3 cost, negative rounds down to negative $1 uh, worth of value. 582 plate appearances, 65 runs, 14 home runs, 58 RBI, three stolen bases um, with a um, 259 batting average. Uh, Steven Souza, 297 ADP. $5 valuation, $3 cost, $2 worth of value, 498 plate appearances, 60 runs, 18 home runs, 59 RBI, 10 stolen bases with a 239 batting average. The last guy we'll cover in this group, Daniel Polka, 297 ADP, $3 valuation, $3 cost, rounds down to a negative one valuation, 450 plate appearances, 53 runs, 22 home runs, 62 RBI, three stolen bases with a 232 batting average. All right. That was a handful right there of talking. <laughs> so of that group, uh, what are like two or three players that you are um, – that you're liking out of that group? All right, a couple quick answers. If Odenbar Herrera is healthy, he's banged up right now, I am a fan of him because he covers all the tools in a really good lineup. Sensu Chu, banged up, similar situation. If he comes out healthy because I don't even think he's playing yet in spring, if he's healthy, similar to Herrera, I'd prefer Chu over Herrera. Those are two guys that I can definitely get on board with this late in the draft day. You're not going to get five category contributors here, but you're going to get really good contributions in three or four categories with these guys. Now, Cedric Mullen, just a flashy name here for the Baltimore Orioles, potential leadoff man, a um, little bit of pop, a little bit of speed. Average is questionable, but there is a lot to like here at pick 277 for a guy that 
you know, maybe can go 15-15, score some runs with VR, uh, Mancini, and Trumbo. Kevin PR is always the forgotten man. Uh, very, very good ball player, similar to Cedric Mullen's profile, except we've seen it before. So if, if you like Cedric, you can get Kevin Pillar a lot cheaper, and people forget about him. Uh, last but not least, I, well, I do like Daniel Polka. If you have batting average covered and you want some power late, you go Polka. But Steven Souza Jr., I think, is an absolute steal here. Uh, I know he's $2 worth of value for you uh, with these projections. The average is a little lower. I think he, he's better than a 238 average. But the power upside, I think he's got 20-plus home run upside. He, he steals. He's going to be batting clean up there with Peralta and Lamb. I think there's a lot to like there with Steven Souza uh, hitting full-time for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, the humidor's there, so it's not as, like, you know, that part sucks. But Steven Souza picked 297, almost picked 300. Uh, can, can contribute in four out of the five categories. I'm a big, big fan of that. Yeah, um, I uh, I like the guys that you chose. Um, I love Chu as well. Um, I like Mullins, especially in OBP leagues. Um, I drafted him in Barf. Um, I just feel like the uh, he had a really good plate discipline and really good end zone contact rate, and those are two things that I love. Like his. All right, we are back on. I was talking about Cedric Mullins. Um, for folks who are wondering how epic of a podcast this is, <laughs> my phone has run out of batteries. I've had to plug it in for a little while. Then I was using my AirPods to record the last segment, and those ran out of batteries. And so now I'm back <laughs> on my phone. I'm just hoping we make it to the end here. We're damn close. So we're gonna we are do very it. close. We're very close. All right, I got 17% on my phone now. Let's hope it makes it. All right, so with Mullins, I was just saying that, um, you know, I love the, uh, the plate discipline contact uh, combination. He was in the low 20% for uh, uh, chase rate, and then he was in the 90-plus percent in terms of in-zone contact rate. I love that combination. like the power-speed combo, uh, especially at this price. Similar on Pilar, he's pretty much the same player. I did put out a tweet recently about how Pilar started hitting uh, fewer ground balls, uh, last year, which really helped him out in the second half in terms of power. And so, um, you know, whether or not that continues or not is still a question, but it, it was well outside um, any other low for his ground ball percentage um, in a three-year period. And so that was something that was really intriguing to me. And I agree, Steven Su- Su- uh, Souza Jr. stands out here. Remember, he went 30-15 uh, mm-hmm. two years ago, um, you know, and so getting him at 297 – you know, is he likely to do that again? Probably not. Uh, but is he going to probably back clean up in the Diamondbacks lineup? Probably. And, you know, there will be some some power and, and speed and, and chance for counting stats there. So love those guys. All right. Um, let's hop into the next uh, group uh, of 10 here. Uh, Greg Allen at an ADP of 299 $0 valuation, $3 ADP. So he's losing you $3, 407 plate appearances, 47 runs, five home runs, 35 RBI, 20 stolen bases with a 250 batting average. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, ADP of 304, $7 valuation, $3 cost, $4 worth of value, 537 plate appearances, 67 runs, 14 home runs, 53 RBI, 17 stolen bases with a 242 batting average. Kike Hernandez, who we mentioned before, $0 valuation, $3 cost, uh, losing $3, but it's on a 414 plate appearances, 52 runs, 16 home runs, 52 RBI, two stolen bases with a 249 uh, batting average. Uh, Nick Markakis, ADP of 310, $5 valuation, $2 cost, 
$3 value, 607 plate appearances, 66 runs, 11 home runs, 67 RBIs, one stolen base with a 277 batting average. Jock Peterson, 311 ADP, $5 valuation, $2 cost. Uh, that's a $3 uh, value, 422 plate appearances, 58 runs, 22 home runs, 59 RBI, four stolen bases with a 250 batting average. Matt Kemp, 315 ADP, negative $5 value, $2 cost, a negative $7 <laughs> value, but that's only on 286 plate appearances, 34 runs, 13 home runs, 43 RBI, zero stolen bases with a, two, nine, a 270 batting average. Um, he's supposed to be on the bench for the Reds, it sounds like. Adam Jones, 319 ADP, $7 valuation, $2 cost, still looking for a home at a $5 value. 577 plate appearances, 63 runs, 18 home runs, 68 RBI, three stolen bases, 268 batting average. Jorge Soler, 320 ADP, $2 cost, $2 value, neutral, 485 plate appearances, 56 runs, 19 home runs, 59 RBI, three stolen bases with a 242 average. Avisail Garcia, 331 ADP, negative five value, $2 cost, negative $6 uh, value, 301 plate appearances, 36 runs, 11 home runs, 39 RBI, two stolen bases with a 264 batting average. Delino De Shields, 335 ADP, $0 valuation, $1 cost, negative $1 value, 428 plate appearances, 54 runs, five home runs, 30 RBI, 22 stolen bases with a 239 batting average. Uh, my, one of my personal favorites, Adam Frazier, an ADP of 337, $4 valuation, $1 cost, $3 value, 519 plate appearances, 63 runs, 10 home runs, 51 RBIs, nine stolen bases with a 274 batting average. Leonis Martin, also an ADP of 337, $3 valuation, $1 cost, $2 value, 441 plate appearances, 55 runs, 13 home runs. 46 RBI, 14 stolen bases, and a 249 batting average. All right. Out of that large group of folks, who stands out to you as somebody you're looking at? There's a couple I really, really like here. Like if Kevin Kiermaier is healthy, big fan, but that's a big hit with Kevin Kiermaier. And I got kind of baked into his draft value there. But uh, Enrique Hernandez, Kiki Hernandez, whoever you want to, to call him, um, at 307, he's going to get more than 414 at-bats, I have a feeling, this year. This guy's coming off of back-to-back seasons where he played 140 games. Given, maybe not that many at-bats. He had 342 at-bats, 462 in the last two seasons. But last year, we saw the power show up, 21 home runs. His strikeout rate dropped 7%. Um, batting average went up to 256. There's a lot to like there. If you look at his, his first and second half splits, it's really interesting. First half, it was all power. Second half, it was all average. So, give me the good combo. And I agree. I, I like him better than Chris Taylor. I think they're, you know between the outfield the infield positions – He's going to find roles out there. He crushes left-handed pitching. I, I really like him at that point in the draft as a late-round option. Gives your he gives your roster versatility in case injuries take place. Uh, a big fan of him where even if he only plays five days a week, sure, he's not playing every day. He's not going to usually hurt you for the fact he's not playing every day. So I, I like him quite a bit. Um, Adam Jones, you mentioned he's $5 of value. I love Adam Jones. I took it with one of my last picks in EGFBI. Um, I know he doesn't have a home, so it's extremely risky. But, my goodness, he should be starting for whoever he goes to. Um, he can still hit just fine. There's a lot to like with Adam Jones. And to get him at this point in the draft, this is a guy that, what, three years ago, he was a top 20 outfielder, top 25 outfielder. 
and he, he really he's not hitting as much with as much power, but overall hit tools still there. So big Adam Jones guy. Uh, and then Avisil Garcia, I picked three thirty one. Uh, the projections only have him for three hundred one at bats. I don't get it. Maybe it's they think he's in a platoon in Tampa Bay. Right now, he's projected to hit cleanup and DH. Um, the only other guy I could see getting in his way is G-Man Choi, but they have him at first base. So they can move things around, obviously. But I, I really like what Abby's got going on here. Uh, we know he bad-bipped the world to death a couple of years ago for his, for his big batting average year. But even last year, in 385 plate appearances where he hit 19 homers, hit 236, he had a career-best 11.6 barrels, a 90.3% um, miles per hour exit velo, a 43.2% career-high hard hit rate, this guy was just doing everything right. Um, you know, striking out 26.5%, not ideal, but for a power guy, it's what you kind of expect. Um, he pulls the ball very, very well, what you want to see from a power bat. He needs to hit a few more fly balls, but his fly balls and line drives are just fine. There's a ton to like about Avisil Garcia at this point in the draft, because if he doesn't work out, you drop him. Big deal. But where he's going for the upside he brings you, if he can get to that 263 average they're projecting with some power, I like him a lot here. Um, just he's one of the guys when you're looking at projection models, they have him. They're kind of projecting him lower than I think he's really worth. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's around 450 at bats, and at that point he's much higher than an ADP of 331. Nice, yeah, um, I agree with you on some of those. I'll, I'll go with Ke- uh, Greg Allen. Um, you know, I know that the, the projection doesn't necessarily love him, but I think he he's a better hitter. I think than he's getting credit for. If you look at the skills last year. Uh, the O swing was really nice uh, towards the end of the year. Um, he really was getting on base a lot, uh, stealing a lot of bases. Um, the contact rate was also uh, pretty good. Um, and he was actually hitting the ball fairly hard. And so, um, you know, I don't think he's going to do anything crazy. But if he does hit 250 and he can maintain those OBP, you know, that, that, uh, that plate discipline, you know, and he's getting on base close to uh, 35% of the time, I mean, that could be um, – uh, well, that might that may be a little high. So maybe even if it's like 340 or something like that, um, OBP, uh, he could get a chance to steal a lot of bases in that lineup. And there isn't a ton of competition uh, in that outfield. So I actually like him as just a guy who, um, you know, if he gets that playing time, the return could be pretty significant from a speed perspective. Kevin Kiermeyer, I don't normally like Kiermeyer, um, you know, just because I don't think the bat-to-ball skills are all that good. Uh, but going where he's going beyond pick uh, an ADP of 304, uh, I think it's all value from here. He definitely, if healthy, will go 15-15. It's just a matter of how low that batting average will go. Um, and to, even if the projected 242 is not, you know, it's not terrible. It's not great, but uh, it is what it is. I agree with you on Kike Hernandez. I like him uh, uh, more than Chris Taylor. I like him um, just in general. I think he's one of the few guys who, like, everything was going in the right direction uh, for him. So I think that's really good. Uh, Avisail Garcia, I also love him. I drafted him in TGFBI um, for every, all of the reasons you mentioned. He is traditionally a very high ground ball guy. He hit, he had his highest fly ball rate in addition to all the very high quality contact that he makes. Um, and that Babip was just well below his, his career average. So he's not that 331 hitter he was, you know, two years ago, but I do think that he's, he could be a 280 hitter with the type of co- contact that he makes with 25 uh, home runs. So, um, you know, and, and the Rays seem to like him a lot. They've been batting him uh, clean up, um, and that's where he is on roster resource. Adam Frazier, I mentioned liking him a lot. Uh, he is going to lead off for the, t- for the Pirates, and he may even 
you know, play against both lefties and righties. Um, you know, he came back from the minors last year and was just on a tear. Uh, he had really good plate discipline, very good contact skills. He also always makes a ton of contact, so the batting average is going to be pretty good. But his hard hit rate surged uh, a lot. He was hitting the ball in the air more. Um, he hit a decent number of home runs towards the end of the season. So I think the 10 home run projection is going to be low for him. Um, but I think the nine stolen base projection is going to be a bit high. I'm not quite sure where that's coming from. Um, you know, he, he, I think he stole like one base last year and he may have stolen like 10 bases once in the minors, but so I don't necessarily buy that, but if he gets there, that'll be interesting. I think the, the batting average could be higher. And then Leonis Martin, obviously with, you know, the infection that he had last year, it'll be interesting to see how he returns last year. You know, he, his quality of contact was so much better. He was hitting a bunch of barrels. Um, he still has uh, some of the speed. He's a good defensive outfielder. And so um, he's also a guy that is of interest to me. Uh, Bubba, believe this or not, but we are left with three more players on, um, <laughs> on this uh, list. What I'm going to do is cover these last three, including one Cole Calhoun. And then I'm going to ask yes, if yes. we missed anybody, uh, you know, that, that isn't, you know, we're going up to an ADP of 366. Obviously this doesn't go all the way to 450 as you would in like a 15 team draft on NFBC, but you know, the 90 outfielder seems reasonable, but throw out some names. Um, after I go through these three players, throw out some names of guys that aren't on the list that we covered uh, that you're intrigued by this year. So the last three are Teoscar Hernandez, uh, an ADP of three, uh, 345. Uh, $1 valuation uh, at a $1 ADP, so neutral value. 430 plate appearances, 53 runs, 17 home runs, 51 RBI, 7 stolen bases with a 237 average. Cole Calhoun, 359 ADP, $8 valuation at a $1 cost. Good for our highest value of any outfielder at $7. 611 plate appearances, 76 runs. 20 home runs, 69 RBI, five stolen bases, and a 241 batting average. And then Scott Shebler, who looks to be in the starting lineup, uh, you know, for the Reds, that those are the rumors. 366 ADP, $2 uh, valuation, $1 cost, uh, rounds up to a $2 value. 427 plate appearances, 52 runs, 19 home runs, 56 RBI, four stolen bases, and a 242 batting average. So, Anything uh, pique your interest in these last three? I know that Cole Calhoun will. And then some guys who are further down on the list um, that you may be interested in as well and that folks should be paying attention to. All right. Uh, T. Oscar Hernandez is a guy that if we can get a good report on playing time, I like a lot. Like we talked about Garandal Gritchick, how we like his hard hit rate, how his power. Um, T. Oscar is a spitting image of those stat lines when it comes to power. 15.5% barrel, 91.8% mile power exit velo um, hard hit rate of almost 46%. This guy crushes baseballs. It's just a matter of getting playing time. He strikes out a lot too, 32% K rate. So he, he's a very interesting guy. If he can get playing time and he's got some speed, he is in the 87th percentile in sprint speed. So this is a guy that can steal bags. He can, he can just drop bombs. Definitely someone to keep an eye on there. Uh, Scotty Shebler. If he is like the, like you said, the reporting that he's going to be the starting center fielder. That's big. Uh, this is a guy that just, you know, in 2017 at 30 home runs with regular playing time in 141 games. Only played 107 games last year, still hit 17 home runs. Um, Nick Senzel is likely going to take that job sooner than later, so keep that in mind when you draft him. But if he goes into camp at this point in the draft and you can grab him, 
enjoy a month or two of them before you have to drop them or do something else if Sinzel comes up there. That's if. Maybe something happens. You never know. So if he's starting out for there, I like him a lot. Cole Calhoun. This is the guy that um, Mr. Dolph Lundgren, Alex Chamberlain, um, wrote about last year as the Woba versus ex-Woba type guy. Uh, started out the year horrifically. His 208 batting average still showcases it. But he had 19 home runs, six stolen bases on the year. And he just – he was one of the more unlucky players in all of baseball. Like when you look at all of his numbers, just insanely unlucky. But the biggest thing is, is it all matched out when you look at the first half, the second half. Second half, he only hit 231, but he hit the, um, 10 homers, scored 40 runs, drove in 31. And the overall, if you look at the X stat stuff that uh, Chamberlain was talking about, really jumped off the map. And if you picked him up, he helped you in the second half. And I think he's going to put a full season together to really help you out there. All right. A couple guys outside of this. It's not too many to, to be honest yeah. with that I'm looking at. But a couple that really stood out and they're going to keep climbing up. He's gone as low as 461, as high as 317 in the last like three weeks. Lewis Brinson, he's crushing baseballs in Miami. I was big on him last year when I thought he was going to get well, – he did get everyday playing time for them in center field. But, man, his swinging strike rate and just all of his approach was, was bad. But he's already looks like he's made adjustments. I think it was – I can't remember who it was. Now, I, please forgive me for whoever tweeted it. They showed side-by-sides of just his, his approach to the plate in spring training this year compared to last year. Night and day difference. This kid's still super young. He can steal for days with power. Brinson's a guy super late. He's going to keep going up the board here. If we were to record this next week, he might be in the top 90. So he's someone to keep an eye on. Um, a couple other guys like Ben Zobris, just for the fact that he's going to be leading off for the Cubs, multi-position eligibility. Uh, he's, he hit over 300 last year. He's usually a 280-plus batting average guy, going to score a lot of runs in that Cubs offense. Not a lot of power. If you look at his, his um, stat cast data, it is not appealing at all. But for if you want runs, you want batting average late in the draft. Zobris is a guy to look at. And then the last one I'll kind of mention is keep an eye on where Carlos Gonzalez ends up because you never know the Rockies can pull another Rockies or he goes somewhere where he's going to start. He's going super late. They're still popping that bad if you need late, late power. But overall, there's nothing that I really, really love. Like Eric Thames is intriguing. Uh, Steven Duggar's leading off for the Giants. It's another guy you can take a, take a peek at. He's got really good speed, uh, not a ton of power, but lots of speed to get on base. But uh, other than that, not a ton out here. Yeah, um, yeah, you touched on it. Teoscar Hernandez, love the skills. The contact is has been atrocious for the last little bit. And so I just worry about whether he's going to be able to overcome that to tap into the quality of contact skills that you mentioned. Um, Cole Calhoun, I, I absolutely agree. You know, he's a $7 value there. I think he's, he's terrific value um, going where he's going right now. And then, uh, yeah, Shebler, I'm not as interested in, but, um, you know, because I just – he's got playing time right now, but as you mentioned, Nick Senzel may come up. And, I, I you know, Shebler has, has – he hit 30 home runs once, so that, that is something. So I guess, uh, I guess I shouldn't discount him that much. Um, yeah, Lewis Brinson, I absolutely agree. Um, one of the things I was looking at was his rolling average graphs. And his in-zone contact actually got all the way up to 81.5 at one point during the season. So it's still below league average, but it was definitely on uh, the increase, um, which is always uh, really nice to see. And then his O swing was also improving uh, over his 40-game rolling average. So I think everything's headed in the right direction there. And we obviously know about the kind of power-speed combo um, that he has. 
Um, I like the Steven Duggar uh, mention just for the sheer fact of plate appearances. Um, I think that's really important. Um, he's on our outfield list, but he's more a first baseman, third baseman, uh, I believe, in, in most eligibility schemes. But Hunter Dozier is a guy that I like a lot for the Royals. Um, you know, his metrics really improved as the season progressed, and the quality of contact was really good as well towards the end of the season. And so he's probably going to be batting, you know, fifth and should have everyday plate appearances and multi-position eligibility uh, for the Royals there. You know, there's kind of like the one injury away type guys like Keon Broxton is always interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, The batting average is obviously terrible, but just like if if you can just play him for a couple weeks and, you know, get five stolen bases and maybe a home run or two, that's always nice. Uh, Ramel Tapia, you know, the Rockies never give folks an opportunity, but he actually had an increase in power last year in the minors. And I don't necessarily know if that will translate, but the speed and and the batting average certainly do. Eric Thames, you know, it's, it seems like yesterday that he was kind of like the shining star uh, for the Brewers, but all it takes is one little injury, and uh, Jesus Aguilar proved that, and Thames's quality of contact metrics. He was, uh, he was among the lead leaders in barrels per plate appearance last year. Uh, the dude just crushes when he does make contact with it. Uh, Michael Taylor, um, you know, he's probably going to be in a situation where he's a fourth outfielder again, but if there was any way that he would become a starter – um, he would immediately have a ton of fantasy relevance with the stolen bases. I remember last year he carried me in TGFBI. He had 24 stolen bases in like the first half, I think, uh, last year when he was getting some playing time before Eaton was back. Um, so he's another guy um, who is um, of interest to me. Um, and then you mentioned him earlier in the podcast, but Tyler O'Neill, uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. see a class of playing time because I think he's a couple guys removed from it. But the power-speed combo is could be something very, very special. The average could be very, very specially low uh, too, but um, you know, he's a guy who in a lot of draft and holds, he's one of the first reserves that I'm targeting just because when he does play, I'm going to want him in the lineup. Um, uh, let me, uh, let, can I add one yeah, more yeah, guy yeah, totally. um, for, for possible draft and holds like that, or just to keep an eye on to maybe be a, a week or two early on the waiver wire. Yusniel Diaz for the Baltimore mm. Orioles has a ton of power. They got him in that, that trade for Machado last year from the Dodgers. He was the top prospect they got. He should start the year in AAA, but uh, he's a pure hitter. This guy can hit the ball. He's not like a big-time prospect hitter like some you know, like the Acunas of the world and stuff, but he's very, very good, and he's going to get nothing but playing time once he's called up for Baltimore in a very good hitting ballpark. So he's a guy to definitely keep an eye on. Definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Well, Bubba, I think we have come to the end of our epic outfield. Oh, so. so sad. Um, uh, of our outfield uh, preview here, we covered over 90 guys um, with projections and values and then a little bit of, of comments uh, in there. Uh, it was a ton of fun. Uh, I had a blast doing this. Um, it kind of makes me sad that I haven't been having other people on the other end of some of these previews because it's been great uh, to go back and forth. Um, thanks so much for, for, uh, for hopping on and staying on through the phones running out of batteries and the AirPods running out of batteries <laughs> and, you know, all of the, the technical hiccups that we have here, I will try to patch it together into some semblance that can, re- you know, represent the, uh, the brilliance that was uh, this podcast right here. Uh, but before you leave, please do remind folks where they can reach you um, uh, both on Twitter and, and, and website and, and all that jazz. 
Uh, thanks again for having me. I'm on Twitter at BD Entrick, uh, Casey Bubba. Uh, the website is Fantasy Sports Degens. Come check it out. We have stuff popping out all the time. And then I'm on a bunch of podcasts. My, my own is Bench with Bubba. It's my favorite. It's my baby. Um, episode 150 recording tomorrow. And then one, Mr. Batfoot Crazy, will be joining me on Thursday. Hot episode damn. 151. So, uh, yeah, long time no talk come Thursday. But uh, that's that. I have around the base with Bubba and Mo. I have MLB DFS quick hits for the regular season. I have a golf pod, football, so much stuff over there. But uh, come check it out. And most importantly, I want to say thank you for having me on. It's been great getting to know you. It was great meeting you in person. Uh, watching what you, where you started from to where you are now has been absolutely awesome. You put out great content. And I'm really, really honored that I got to come on the show. So uh, anytime you want to talk for three hours yes. about anything, I am all available to, for you. Yeah, sounds good. I will have to take you up on that. Yeah, and I, I can't remember if I mentioned it um, at first. I will definitely mention it in the intro. But definitely check out Bubba's podcast, Bench with Bubba. It is a great listen. He is a tremendous host. He has, uh, you know, great guests on all the time. And what, one of the things that I really love and appreciate about Bubba's podcast um, is that he always gives opportunities for, uh, you know, new folks in the fantasy industry to be on those podcasts. And, you know, you were one of the first people to invite me onto a podcast last year. Uh, and, and so really appreciate that and uh, all the work that you're doing. And, and similarly, like, it's been awesome. It, the community is so great. And it's been awesome. Like, just, you know, when I saw that you were like top 15 in the, um, projections, <laughs> even though Smada just put out something saying that there's no correlation or there's a very weak correlation between the projections. He, and the he must be farther down. He must oh, be yeah. farther Every, down. Everybody in the Champions League is. We're like, we're, we're shooting for 50th in the overall. Um, but um, uh, uh, yeah, like just seeing you there, I was like, yeah, that's awesome because, um, you know, you're just a super nice dude and, uh, and you know your stuff. And yeah, it's been awesome. So we'll definitely have you on again. Thank you so much. Uh, for giving giving me no three hours of your time. No worries, man. Right, Anytime. Easy, Bubba. Bye. You too. That is going to wrap us up for episode uh, sixty-four of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much uh, for listening. That was a ton of fun. I hope you're not exhausted, and instead of exhausted, you are amped up like I am uh, after that conversation. Just a lot of fun uh, to chat with Bubba, to go through the players like that. Um, You know, that was just, uh, it was a lot of fun. And so I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Um, If you did like it, again, uh, five-star rating and review on iTunes would be greatly appreciative. If not, just like and retweet it, um, or just let me know that uh, you appreciate it. Let Bubba know you appreciate it because it was a ton of fun. You can reach me. The best place is on Twitter at BatFootCrazy. You can reach Bubba at BDentrek, uh, B-D-E-N-T-R-E-K. He also has the Benched with Bubba podcast, which is an awesome, uh, awesome podcast. I definitely recommend uh, listening to that. He always has great guests, uh, including uh, included among those guests uh, is going to be me on Thursday. So that will be probably, uh, you know, the low point of, of the guests that he's going to get. But, you know, that's the way that things work. He's got to deal with it. I think we're going to be talking TGFBI, our teams, our leagues, um, all of that stuff. So, uh, all right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research, all of your drafts. Take care and be kind to one another.